2: Elon Musk has just, I don't know how you describe this, nuked the culture war. And it's really exposed some rather shady dealings, which I find particularly interesting. Notably, a Saudi prince is rejecting the buyout offer because they're one of the biggest investors saying, no, no, Twitter is worth more, even though most reporting shows that Twitter is failing stagnant growth. And it was failing years ago. Trump is the only reason, as far as I know, that it started to come back. So why are these companies so interested on retaining this power? Elon Musk is no longer the largest shareholder. Vanguard just bought more shares, and it seems like they're not going to go for the buyout either. My opinion, you know, the Saudi prince is right. Twitter is more valuable than $54.20 per share. It's the political influence you wield when you silence those who disagree with you. Mm. We've talked about this before, and I think this may play a role. Naturally, you have many Twitter employees freaking out. The media is freaking out, but Elon Musk ain't backing down. He's actually put them in a difficult position because if they go against the will of the majority of the shareholders, they're violating their fiduciary responsibility and it opens them up to liability. So this may be one of the most epic and craziest moments in the culture war. We definitely got to talk about that. And I got to tell you, man, almost there's just too much to go through because this is huge. But we do have the RNC pulling out of the Commission on Presidential Debates, which is also equally massive, and a bunch of stories about abortion being banned, which is seemingly just escalating. And, of course, mm. many on the left are freaking out. We'll get into all that. Joining us today is the
3: intrepid duo, Smokey Mike and the God King. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's first, first. Like, billing? You, Jeremy? Well, Smokey Mike gets first billing mm-hmm. because when one is known <laughs> as the God King... <laughs> They they don't need they don't care about things like how this do you too. follow a god. <laughs> <That's right. Yeah. laughs>
4: well, once Michael, go for it. Who are you? Well, I'm Smoky Mike. I'm a well-known <laughs> guitarist and sitar player and a 1970s rock icon. Mm-hmm. So it's good to be here. I do in my uh, free time. I have a show called The Michael Knowles Show at The Daily Wire, oh, yes. uh, which is fun. It's kind of like a little Hobby. amateur side project. Yeah. Yeah. not
5: your passion project.
2: But it's so. not, yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, the way I pay the bills is with my acoustic guitar <laughs> and my psychedelic uh, uh, cool licks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In all seriousness, uh, maybe people don't know, the le- you were on, uh, I don't know if it was last time, but you actually played a song about your book for our <laughs> members only. I so did.
4: Hey, you know, I really have to thank you guys because, seriously, I go on Tim's show, I come on the, the podcast... And all of a sudden, everyone in the super chats starts plugging my book. And I think one of the main reasons that book hit number one nationally is because your listeners, Tim, were so relentless about promoting this book, which is why I'm so happy to say paperbacks out in june baby let's do Ooh. it speechless coming I, back what's it called again i, I just, just want oh, to point out speechless I'm speechless okay it,
2: it is true they were promoting it but actually i think they were trolling me because <laughs> what they would do is they would start the super chat and i would get into reading it and then it would devolve <laughs> into <laughs> promoting michael's book <bug>, so, <laughs> so good. they got me but it, it helped so you know it you did
4: great job guys keep it up june 2022 really mm-hmm. appreciate it it's gorilla pr we do have the god king himself but small g right
3: lowercase g lowercase k. I mm-hmm. uh i am the man to whom michael knowles owes everything <laughs> <laughs> except apparently the success of his last book oh, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i'm the co-founder co-CEO of the daily wire and uh also 70s rock icon mm-hmm. for those who don't know uh smoky mike and the god king legendary uh performance at the ryman auditorium last year how how will we ever top it uh and the answer is well we don't we don't
2: know yep. uh, we don't have i it. have an idea i'm on board let's uh the let's garden the garden madison square garden because wow. <laughs> we've already played the
4: mother church of country music so you're saying that would have to be the elevation yeah i suppose
2: yeah i mean i don't know how you pull off filling out was it sixty thousand cedar or something oh I'll that's be. easy no
4: that's
3: easy it's more it's, like, like, it's like this guy doesn't even know a good joke when he hears yeah something. yeah <laughs> i don't know that
4: the garden that's easy but it's like you know you got to get on a plane put on the dumb masks uh, they yeah, just the extended masks. that oh, another yeah, two weeks so terrible. we got to work out wait well hold on you don't have a private jet <laughs> you're, you're
5: right. we 70's albums. rock icon Speeches himself
4: to. flies coach well after what happened to Skinnerd, we said you know no. only commercial
3: what we said is only commercial for Smoky Mike oh, okay.
2: <laughs> did we mention uh, your name Jeremy Boring
3: Oh, yeah. My name is Jeremy. <laughs> 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 uh, I, there, there,
2: there may be, you know, somebody's listening and is like, God King.
5: Like, who is this man? Who band? is that you handsome
2: know? Dan? Yeah. <laughs> that handsome Dan?
5: All right. We also got Seamus. Seamus Coglin. I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We just released a cartoon today. Very happy with it. Very excited about it. It's about groomer teachers. You guys are going to love it. And guess what? We are at 796,000 subscribers. Ooh. Let's get to 800,000. We can do it. Go over there. Hit the subscribe button. We just released one of our best videos ever. You guys are going to love it.
6: Ian Crosslin up in the house. What's up, dudes? Uh, I'm just a wild animal, and I'm happy to get rolling, so let's go.
7: Awesome. I am just excited to be here, as always, in the corner pushing buttons. Love to have Michael and Jeremy both back within relatively short order, so let's get this uh, party started.
2: Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member if you would like to support our work and all of our fierce and independent journalists. As a member, you will get access to exclusive segments of this show, Monday through Thursday at 8 p.m., and, uh, guys, you made all this possible. We are eternally grateful for your support. And we look forward to challenging the system. I used to say, you know, don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, and share this show with your friends. Uh, and the reason I would say that is because if everybody listening shared this, we'd be bigger than CNN. Well, we're bigger than <laughs> CNN+. Plus. Yeah. So I don't know what else to say other than, we did it, guys! Woo! Thank you all so much. Because, uh, granted, I think the real issue is that CNN Plus is just in the
5: gutter. But, uh, you know, good job. No, what, what a great business strategy. They're like, no one's watching our network. Let's make them pay for it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Creative well, let,
2: let's, okay. Let's, let's talk about this. Is I don't even know how to begin with this story because we've just got so much going on with the Elon Musk nuclear bomb on Twitter. So as many of you may have heard, Elon Musk this morning announces he wants a, a full buyout, 100% of the platform at $54.20. Full disclosure, I own 22 shares mm-hmm. of the company. Not a whole lot. I would like to see Elon Musk fix it. And if that means being bought out and getting rid of all the shares, I'm fine with that. Elon Musk is right about a lot of the problems. The top 10 users, barely any of them tweet anymore. Several haven't even tweeted this year. But something strange is happening. Even though $54.20 is above market rate, it's a premium on the rate uh, 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 of the, uh, the, the value of the shares. And even though Elon Musk is saying if he can't affect positive change, he might actually sell off his shares, which would be detrimental to the company. These powerful interests don't want to sell. I wonder why that is. Hmm. So here's the first story we have in this, because what we're seeing is Elon Musk expose what appears to be some kind of shady dealings. Cameron Winklevoss says, Twitter is considering a poison pill to thwart Elon Musk's offer. They would rather self-immolate than give up their censorship programs. This shows you how deeply committed they are to Orwellian control of the narratives and global discourse. Scary.
5: It's a win-win.
2: Elon Musk responds, if the current Twitter board takes actions contrary to the shareholder interests, they would be breaching their fiduciary duty. The liability they would thereby assume would be titanic in scale. Mm.
4: What a freaking stud. It's yeah. just great. The, the thing that's most inspiring about this is, generally speaking, mo' money, mo' problems, mm-hmm. right? They're generally speaking, we were talking about this a little earlier, as people get money and get we- and influence and power, they, they just they get timid. They, they get risk-averse. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this guy is gambling $41 billion <laughs> on a really important, politically significant troll.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I think it's more than that, though. You know, he called the Babylon Bee when they got suspended. And the story apparently is he said, did you guys really get suspended over this joke? They said yes. And he goes, I might have to buy Twitter. Well, also, I think, wow. I mean, sorry, just Elon Musk has got, let, 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 I'll, I'll put it this way. He's got $280 billion towards his net worth. If you had two hundred and eighty bucks and someone was like, Hey, this really important thing
3: is fifty bucks. You know, you might be like, Yeah, it's fifty bucks, it's a lot, but you know, for him. Well, it's even better than that because it's not as though it has no value. So he buys it for fifty bucks, which he's not going to have to do. I think his actual plan is offer them fifty bucks, they're going to say no. He sells off his nine point two percent, he crashes the price of their stocks. Now he comes in and buys it for 20 bucks, Mm. takes it private, fixes it, relists it on, uh, the New York Stock Exchange 12, 18 months later, doubles his money. So he gets to both, uh, do the greatest probably social good for free speech that anyone's done in our lifetime and probably double his cash on the whole, on the whole affair.
5: Yeah. And I also want to say when Twitter is threatening to self-immolate and destroy their company, we have to take that seriously because we've seen them do it before. Like we know they're capable of it. Twitter? Yeah, I'm just completely destroying any value within their own company. Mm. My understanding is that before 2016, Twitter was losing users.
2: They had changed their, their metric for how they calculated users from like, something like daily active to monthly active. Yeah. So that, you know, because the average person was using the platform less, they said, okay, well, if they use it once in the month, then. Mm-hmm. But it's been a while. So you got to fact check, man, that one because I, w- I haven't been tracking that as much. But when I see this idea that Twitter would self immolate, I'm like, yeah. Because I think the real issue for these investors is power, political power. That's right. It's more valuable than cash.
4: Well, I mean, it, it, it is political. That's the word we have to use. We, You know, we, we always make fun of this sort of build your own Twitter, build your own Google. Uh, no, they're ensconced in power. There was a time at the beginning of social media when there was competition. We're way past that. They've exploited legal liability protections. They've teamed up with the government, and they've defrauded their users. So they're we're stuck with these guys. So now there's this third option, which is don't build your own Twitter, just buy your own Twitter. And, uh, you know, w- when we talk about political power we usually think about the government we live in a republic in a republic you govern yourself with speech
0: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win
4: If some bozo in Silicon Valley is controlling all the speech in the republic and censoring very important people in that republic, you don't have free speech. You don't have a republic. It's the most important thing for our form of government in years.
3: Yeah, there's an important, you know, this, this term fiduciary duty uh, maybe not common to everyone who's listening. Essentially what it means is if, if you are in a position of responsibility for someone else's investment— then you have an ob- a legal obligation, not just a moral, but a legal obligation to put their interests ahead of your own interests. And in publicly traded companies, this typically means the executives and it means the board of directors. These are people who, because they represent, in a sort of re- lowercase r, Republican yeah. sense, they represent the average investor, the retail investor. They have obligations. The, our, our friend Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, is so good about this. He talks about these companies. You know, part of the story is that today Vanguard took an outsized stake in Twitter, so that they would actually be the biggest shareholder, and Elon would no longer be uh, the number one shareholder. Vanguard, along with BlackRock and one other, uh, Stake Street. Yeah. Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Imagine. Oh. They own
3: twenty-two trillion dollars worth of the S and P five hundred worth worth of the top five hundred companies that are traded on the on the stock exchange. What they are essentially is using your money, money from your 401k, from your Roth IRA, money from your your pension account. They're using your money to amass power for themselves to act against your interests. And I think Vivek rightly points out it's actually probably the greatest uh, uh, abuse of fiduciary responsibility in all of human history. And I think that's part of what Elon is, I mean, very clearly up against. He's up against the, you, you say these deeply entrenched uh, powers that be or these deeply entrenched powers against free speech it's literally three entities yep. so uh the daily
2: wire you know you're launching kids content yep. are, are you insinuating you're going to launch financial investment and holdings companies to challenge this machine
3: there is nothing that we will not do
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm just i'm imagining it's like you know 2070 and yeah. people are like, "Oh, I got to run to the Daily Wire to cash my check." And it's like, you, w- yeah. When you're out, can you go to the Daily Wire to pick up a, a, a large pizza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna stop at the Daily Wire for to, to fill up my yeah. tank
3: before I go. And- Meanwhile, down in the Caribbean on an island called God Kingia. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
4: yeah. I mean, Ben has been offering me payday loans since I started at yeah. the company. Oh, yeah. you know, Fifty points
3: on the di- yeah, it's easy. If, if
6: they were to uh, refuse this buyout and then maybe do their investors wrong, what could they expect? What kind of reprisal?
3: Well, I think that heretofore none, it's never occurred to any of them that they could be held responsible. And I think what th- this is the of all the tweets that Elon Musk has uh, put out in the last several weeks about Twitter, this is the most interesting one because he's essentially saying I am one of the people they have a fiduciary duty to by not joining the board. Elon did not place himself in a position of fiduciary responsibility, which leaves Ooh. him with the with the actual legal right to act <laughs> against the financial interests wow. of Twitter. And I think what he's telling them is, I will personally sue them out of existence but, if they violate their fiduciary responsibilities. But, but it's
2: a lie. You know, I mentioned the, the, the Trump thing, the platform dying, because when Trump joins, the platform goes nuts. All of a sudden, people have a reason to use it and be on it. Alex Jones, for instance, they have banned people to the point of irrelevancy. It's yep. not fun anymore. Yep. I stopped taking the platform seriously. I post such absurd nonsense half the time. But back when they there have was a one real, million followers on the platform, it's weird to me. That's because weird like, to me too. I posted <laughs> a hairless rabbit once, and I'm like, it's why great. are people following me? Yeah. <laughs> but they do, and it's fine. I just maybe that's it. Maybe the irreverence and the, uh, uh, the you know the the absurdity is something worth following. But my view is, I used to use this platform as a utility for yeah. journalism, right? And mm-hmm. now because of how how nuclear, how radioactive the platforms have become, how awful it is, it's it's effectively worthless. But I think maybe Twitter realized what, or, or I should say uh, assumed what a lot of media companies did, that culture war is money. As much as the left likes to accuse any one of us of being grifters, yep. the left has been doing what's called mission-driven storytelling long before any conservative right-wing or libertarian person figured out what was going on. All of these digital media companies in the early 2010s realized if we get political, we make money, and then yep. they have the nerve to call everybody else grifters. Here's
3: the thing. That's fine. You know, Obviously, at the Daily Wire, we, we – have a a point of view we have a a series of biases but we own those biases if you look at the tradition of journalism in america you know the the tennessee newspaper used to be called the tennessee democrat if you go back to the time of of the earliest presidential elections john adams and thomas jefferson you they they wouldn't run for office they would have looked down on that instead they uh, they owned and, and and marshaled newspapers to actually be their political instruments. That's always been the history of journalism in this country until the post-war consensus. And then we came up with this absurd notion of, like, objective journalism, which, which is a paradoxical kind of concept in and of itself. I think it's very good that the New York Times is so far left. It's very bad that the New York Times won't just admit and own their biases. Right. If they would just tell us, yes, we're on the left, and that gives— You know, that gives you uh, a series of expectations when you read our content doesn't mean that we're going to that it's okay to be completely polemical or, you know, to to actually be propaganda outlets. You should tell the truth, but you should let us know from what point of view you're telling that. I I, I agree, except the issue is when big tech platforms embrace that. Well, but again, if Twitter would own its biases, if YouTube would own its biases, that would actually create a market for alternatives. But the problem is that they lie about their biases. I, I
2: disagree. I think conservatives know Twitter hates them. And, and what do you do? Parler, Gab, Minds, Getter? Yeah, and, no you know.
4: one's going there because there, there are only two reasons to be on Twitter. And they, they matter. Tw- Twitter is the smallest big tech platform. It's why Elon can make this kind of play on even though he's the richest man in the world. Still, takes a lot for one guy to take down a big tech platform. Yep. There are two reasons to be on Twitter. One is to get into fights with celebrities. It's super fun. It's great. Anyone can do it. The celebrities (laughs) bite. That's the one reason. The second reason is because it sets the news cycle. So not a lot of people actually use Twitter and they never really have.
3: But all the right people do? All the Mm. right people
4: do. And so it's... it's, uh, Look, I'll own it. That's how I write a lot of my shows. I see what's trending on Twitter. It's And it's how a lot of news articles are written now. And all of the blue check journos are on there. And so if you can control the narrative on Twitter... Twitter, you're really controlling the narrative throughout most of the mainstream media.
6: Speaking of, you mentioned Vanguard, State Street, and BlackRock as three entities essentially controlling the world. If you really look into it, you start to see that they own each other, that there, it's a lot of the same oh, yeah. people. This is from Wall Street Zen. Uh, State Street is the largest individual shareholder of, or let's get this right, Vanguard is the largest individual State Street shareholder. With 34.26 million shares representing... So Vanguard owns 9.36% of State Street. Wow. And it gets deeper and deeper the more you look into it.
2: Let's pull up some of this weirdity, this this, this, uh, absurdity, oddity, shady dealings, weirdity. (laughs) So we have this tweet from Alwaleed Talal. He says, I don't believe that the proposed offer by Elon Musk, $54.20, comes close to the intrinsic value of Twitter given its growth prospects. Being one of the largest and long-term shareholders of Twitter kingdom khc and i reject this offer let me elon musk responded to this in a very powerful way (laughs) but the first thing i want to do is give you some context in a story from uh, from reuters published by yahoo finance they say something very simple let me uh, scroll down serial underperformer twitter's lower than expected user additions in recent months have raised doubts about its growth prospects even as it pursues big projects such as audio chat room chat rooms and newsletters yes Anybody who knows anything knows that Twitter has constantly struggled. That's right. So so what about Elon Musk's premium offer as a bad deal? Well, for for the prince in Saudi Arabia, maybe it is a bad deal. Elon Musk responded, interesting. Just two questions, if I may. How much of Twitter does the kingdom own directly and indirectly? What are the kingdom's views on journalistic freedom of speech?
1: <laughs> oh, Why? whoa, Brutal.
2: Elon wow. Musk is a brave man in <laughs> yeah. going after some of the biggest companies and political uh, uh, you know, leaders in the world. But he makes a really good point. And I'll, and I'll throw back to the point I made earlier. I believe the Prince uh, al is correct. Fifty four dollars and twenty cents doesn't come close to the true value of Twitter, which is controlling the American news cycle, mm. especially yeah. if you're dependent upon the United States for weapons And you like a lot of the U.S. foreign interests
5: when it comes to destabilizing the region. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. And so people talk about the fact that Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. And it's definitely very funny. There's a lot of great memes that have come out of that. But Elon Musk owning Twitter would obviously make him significantly more powerful than any billionaire who happens to own a
3: single publication. Well, this is also how Elon Musk, I think, makes almost all of his decisions. He thinks, what is Jeff Bezos doing? How can I do it better? That's his actual... Oh, yeah, you so make oh you make phallic rocket ships. That's that's <laughs> cute, Bezos. I'll I'll take us to Mars. I, I think <laughs> be you, you, before the show, you made it. You framed it in the
2: best way possible. You know, so uh, who was it? Was it you, Michael, who said, that, or maybe Seamus? Elon Musk is the first rich rich person who's something cool with their money. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's not an original thought Sernovich, from myself. I, I, I think it might have been
5: Cerno who said that.
2: Yeah. But then
3: you said Jeff Bezos. <laughs> w- w- how did you frame it? Oh, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos. Does cool some? I don't know. He does cool things and makes them uncool. Yeah. No, yeah. You <laughs> said, no, you yeah.
5: said he's interesting as a boring person. Yeah, he's like yeah. A, yeah, yeah. something yeah. like and yeah. that.
6: And his rocket ship looks like a penis. Yeah. Well, I no, you said. I mean, it, it, really does. Does. it was really, really good. A big one too. It's
2: like, it's like oh man, it's the greatest joke ever, but if only you were there, you would have heard it kind of bit. (laughs) Interesting in the way a boring person is, basically. Yeah, you said in a way a boring person is like, he makes a rocket, but it's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a penis. Did you
6: see Elon and Jeff were on Twitter talking back and forth about the homeless, turning Twitter headquarters into a homeless shelter? And Mm -hmm. uh, Basil's like, actually, it's a great idea. We converted half of the Amazon... I don't know if it's headquarters or something, into a homeless shelter, and the, the employees
4: can volunteer. And Elon was well, like, this interesting. The, the best part so about uncool. it... It's so like, uncool. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> the, it's the way that this has become a very hostile takeover kind of situation, what I love about it is every time Elon does something new, and he is rebuffed, by, whether it's by the Saudis or whether it's by the board or Parag Agrawal, they say, oh, okay, they got Elon now. Oh, too bad. It was going to... As if Elon just woke up one day and said, Hey, buy, buy, buy. Buy yeah, you know, right. it's it's hard to buy nine percent <laughs> of Twitter. You know, you kinda have a plan going into it, and you don't become the richest guy on earth on accident. You know, you generally speaking you're right. pretty smart about these things. And Elon, not forget about plan B that he talked about today. I
3: bet you he's got plan C and yeah. D and E and, well, and well, He's an engineer, well, that's what they
6: do. This you is have the contingencies. U-
3: the, the ultimate thing yeah. about Elon Musk that I've been saying for a long time. He's the greatest living American. He is the only. He is the only person. I'm right yeah, here. He's okay. The he's right. the That's only fine. person on Earth right now with a positive vision for the future of humanity that actually involves you know the dignity of the individual. It actually involves freedom, uh, and, and it's and it's constructive. He's not a guy who's lamenting the past. He's not a guy who thinks it's all over. He doesn't believe we're at the end of history. He's a guy who's like, let's make things cooler than anybody's ever made them. Let's go further than anybody's ever gone. Let's go faster. The the greatest answer maybe in the history of uh, well, the greatest answer in the history of media is when Larry King asked Vice President Dick Cheney if we should bomb Iran. And Dick Cheney said, for what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. The second best answer in the history of media is when Jay Leno was trying to jab at elon musk for putting bulletproof windows on the cyber truck and he's like eh, why, why, why would you do that why would you do that and elon said because it's badass it's like, <laughs> <laughs> is it you know you know what i like about
2: elon musk all of those things you mentioned but he fifty four dollars and twenty cents Everybody's saying mm. he just wanted to put 420 in that. Yeah, he wanted that to be in the news. I bet he did. Holler. He posted. He posted sure? the next Twitter board meeting is going to be lit, and it's him smoking pot. <laughs> he's just he's having fun. He's a troll. He's like That's Ben right. Franklin, man. But ben
6: Franklin want to make the turkey our national bird. The, the ultimate right troll <laughs> until Elon. I
2: yeah.
3: think people like turkeys. I love turkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also I don't a troll. know about trolling. <laughs> I think I, I will was, say that. Uh, God kings don't look up to many folk, but I will say that what, everything we do at the Daily Wire is basically trying to, uh, to emulate this kind of an attitude, to say that our best days are ahead of us, we can build alternatives, we can do good things, we don't have to just sit in a state of perpetual grief because things aren't as, aren't the way that they used to be, that we can take the great ideas of the past and build better things atop them.
4: Uh, Even the same kind of financial, pardon my bluntness, Stupidity. You could just take your money and run. Yep. You could run right now and have a good life. And you, stupidly, have reinvested your <laughs> money and are building all these new companies. What if an idiot!
6: Certain kind of stupidness. Putting, to do Putting the right money thing. into doing good <laughs> yeah. stuff,
4: buying
2: Twitter. Oh man, you know. But but the funny thing is, there that most rich people feel that way, and that freaks me out. I, I want to give a shout out to Elon because um, everything he's doing, I I'm in, inspired by, and uh, I, I I'm somebody who grew up with no heroes i mean they're pro skateboarders i was like wow, that was a great trick but th- i never looked at anybody and said i want to do that mm. and now i'm watching everything he's doing and it's like and i'm just like i need 300 billion dollars so i can buy twitter too so i so i can <laughs> so i can shake things up i once tweeted at elon musk why haven't you built an iron man suit yet and he responded building starship and i was like that's yeah. an acceptable Duly, response <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> so
4: weird about him is that politically he's got generally the right ideas because all these guys look i don't care about cars i really don't care about electric cars i don't care about going to space i never watched star i watched star wars not star trek i just don't shame on you i know i know everyone knocks i, I don't care like none of that interests me whatsoever but you know what i do care about
0: okay round two name something that's not boring
5: a laundry Ooh, a book club
4: my republic and my government and my Mm -hmm. politics and all these futurist guys are always lunatics. All these billionaire masters of the Mm -hmm. universe always want to enslave all of us and put us in a prison colony on Mars. And he's the one dude who's saying, no, I actually want you to have your traditional way of life and your freedom Or, or at a
3: minimum. He's who the government will have to pay to get to the prison colonies. On <laughs> <part>. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long game. Uh, he but, is
6: African American. He's from South America. So, is South South you guys Africa. think South Africa? So, do you guys think that we should, at some point, maybe amend the Constitution so a non-American citizen can run for president?
4: Well, no. at least an African-American like Elon Musk. Should well, be exactly. the
5: question yeah. is, do you really think Elon Musk would do more good as president as opposed to what he's doing now? No way. Yeah, Not unless yeah. he and owns so, Twitter. I, well, and I'll say this, I haven't really paid close attention to him, not enough attention to say I uh, am a huge fan, but stuff like this really makes me like him. What I really appreciate is the fact that he is countering the overpopulation narrative. We were discussing this yeah, before the right. show Great a little example. bit. He says that we're not going to have another enough people, that underpopulation is going to be a serious problem. He's absolutely correct, and how unbelievably refreshing it is to have an elite who isn't misanthropic who doesn't say human life is fundamentally bad or at the very least needs to be mitigated in some Shout way out to I,
6: elon's mom dude
5: that
2: well, woman is amazing but you know while we're all uh, uh, getting ready to uh uh well i'll keep it family friendly and just say pat him on the
3: back only for yeah. only to end world hunger yeah. no, 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 I, I would only ever do
2: that <laughs> but 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 there there are questions about his his statements on china Sure. You know, uh, yeah. So I could be wrong, but wasn't he going on like Chinese social media and praising the Chinese Communist Party or something to that
5: effect? And that's if that's the case, that's very disappointing. Could be wrong. I don't want to yeah. you know call out the dude yeah, who I think is doing either. rad
2: stuff. But you know, part of me is concerned. Like maybe the dude's got a big play to make a bunch of money, and, and he's just it's it's still flipping the bird to the system, which I can respect. Mm-hmm. But is is the end goal like you mentioned? Here's what he does: he tanks the company, he buys it, he turns it private, changes some rules, lists it, makes
3: a, a quick well, billion. But, but that's not a bad thing. First of all. Elon Musk doesn't need money. He's the richest person, not only in the world but in the history of the world. Even when we talk about the two hundred and eighty-some billion dollars uh, of net worth that he has, you have to keep in mind uh, SpaceX hasn't had a public offering, oh, so we're not we're not really contemplating any of the value that exists in the only access that the United States has to space. Uh, Neuralink is probably only just getting started; hasn't gone public. We've never seen in our life, not since Rockefeller have we seen a figure like Elon Musk? The guy very likely could be the first trillionaire to walk the earth. So we can't even really contemplate the amount of money that Elon Musk represents. So listen, everybody likes to make a quick billion. Uh, but Elon Musk isn't, uh, there's there's just no way that he's motivated in this by that. The What more what I'm saying is that the positive aspect of economic incentive is that it allows you to do good and do well. And so I think that Elon Musk is doing a good thing missionally with what he's doing with faith, with Twitter, and he will also likely make a lot of money. I, I don't see if, those two things being in uh mm-hmm. So
2: the, the fear is, with the opposition. metaverse and with Neuralink, is someone like Zuckerberg being in charge and letting him get access to your brain. Yeah. Would you go into the metaverse via a Neuralink if it was Elon Musk who was the you know god
6: king of the metaverse? No, uh, I, I don't... <laughs> He's saying he's going to open source the code of Twitter, the algorithm, which is the first step to trusting the device or the software you're using. If you can reference the algorithm, see if it's spying on you or not. If you have a device that lets you enter the metaverse and it's not spying on you, that's the only way to go yeah and
5: so you you mentioned uh, some statements that he uh, ostensibly made about China. This is also part of why i'm I'm sort of withholding a little bit. I don't know a huge amount about the guy, but part of part of the reason I was making the point that I made is because it is really disturbing that the fact that he is against the overpopulation narrative, it's very disturbing that that sets him apart from right. virtually everyone else in power. But I also think that speaks to what you're discussing, which is this idea of being optimistic and having a plan for the future. I think misanthropy is the greatest indicator that mm-hmm. a, a person doesn't have a plan for the future. And they are uh, just a, a horrifically jaded pessimist.
3: Listen, the, the other aspect of this is that he's probably wrong about China and maybe he isn't a great dad. I, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he's a great dad. I don't I'm only mm-hmm. saying Elon Musk is a human being and all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it's not what is common about us that is noteworthy, definitionally. It's what's noteworthy about us that's noteworthy. And so I think about like George Washington, right? And everybody's says, oh, George Washington owned slaves. And I'm like, yeah, he was a, a planter in Virginia in the 18th century. They all owned slaves. That's what's average about him. That's not notable about him at all in his time and in his place. What's notable about him, among other things, is that he freed his slaves. None of the rest of them did. So that, does that justify slavery? No. Is that an excuse for slavery? No. It's only to say that it's not worth bringing up that George Washington owned slaves. That's not actually an interesting thing yeah. about George Washington in his time. He owned 300 slaves, and it was not interesting about him. If I owned even one slave, it would be remarkably noteworthy. Because in my time and in my place, that would be the incredibly strange, peculiar thing that reveals something about me. And so for a billionaire uh industrialist to uh believe in free trade and be dependent somewhat on uh, the mar- the China- the asian markets and probably on chinese manufacturing elon musk isn't who outsourced all of america's manufacturing that happened 50 years ago 60 years ago but he is a manuf- he is he re- is dependent in many ways on that manufacturing uh, although he's doing something about it and trying to manufacture in america but all of that to say those aren't actually the interesting things about him They may be negative things about mm-hmm. him but they're not noteworthy things about him what's noteworthy about him is that he's the only guy in that space who to your point seems to be pro human He's the only person this in that is, space who seems to be pro-speech. These are the actual noteworthy the things. The
4: pro-human thing part is so important because... It is the weirdest aspect to me, especially of Bill Gates. Bill Gates will not shut up about how there are too many people on the planet, and it's just a lie. Overpopulation Mm. is completely made up. Most notably, there was this book, The Population Bomb, in 1970-71. It said that within 10 years, even if we now coerce abortions, which the book called for, it coerce sterility, even if we do that right now, we're screwed. There's going to be, ten in 10 years, mass famine everywhere, and it was completely made up. We're 50 years later, the world population doubled malnutrition is at an all-time low yes.
2: let, let me let me pull the story we actually we actually have the story from USA today it's from december elon musk says there aren't enough people hmm. birth rate could threaten human civilization and i think what people don't realize is that the only reason we have the level of technology we do is due to the specialties of human career yes. human jobs yeah. so let's go back in time we're all living in caves human beings it was possible It was possible for a human being to have the summation of human knowledge in their brain. It was Mm -hmm. possible because we knew so little. As time went on, we began to learn more and more, and it came to the point where, you know, way back when, you could be a jack of all trades, master of all because the only jobs were (laughs) hunter and gatherer. Mm.
4: Master of both. (laughs) Master of (laughs) two. Don't forget
2: shaman. Shaman. Uh, But you, so you were, you were, you were, uh, let's say you were in your 30s. So you are spiritually, physically, mentally. Uh, at your peak. And you're like, I am the best human there is because we didn't know much. But eventually got to the point where we discovered uh, mining. Um, we, we used animal labor. Eventually, one person says, I've dedicated my whole life to learning how to tame these beasts. And some other guy said, I only learned how to grow these crops. All of a sudden, now the summation of human knowledge splits. And it's only due to the fact there are more people able to support each other. The more people we have, the more specialty jobs there are. I watched this great TED talk guy made a toaster from scratch. I love referencing this. He could not do it. Plastic was impossible for him to make. He had to, quote unquote, mine it by digging up waste and then melting it. All in all, he made the toaster. It worked for about 20 seconds before frying out. And he said, it's amazing how this toaster costs 10 bucks at Walmart, but a single person struggles to make it. There's a a book, I think it's by um, Lydia. Help me if you know, it's it's, uh, No One Knows How to Make a Pizza.
7: Mm, it's, isn't it by Julie?
2: Julie? Yeah, well, I, I
5: mean, no one, one outside oh, of Chicago knows Burowski, yeah. how to make a pizza. It's, it's a casserole. It's yeah. Dairy, yeah. But uh, a pizza, how dare but... <laughs> <the>, you? <laughs> the idea is that
2: all of the elements of a pizza right. come from so many different places. That's why we have a, I, a Conquest, a big part of it. Right. I started thinking yeah. about this in terms of, to simplify the whole discussion, think about a meal like a uh, uh, Pad Thai. The amount, an American Pad Thai, sugars, fats, oils, the rice noodles, the meats, if you're going to put squid in it how all of these things come from all over the world, or, or maybe even chicken tikka masala. To us, it's like you go to the store and you're like 15 bucks and they hand you the bowl, but all these ingredients come from regions all around the planet, especially in winter,
1: mm-hmm. where yeah. the
2: chickens might come from the north, the tomatoes come from the south. The more people we have, the more unique things we can
3: create, like spaceships. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think about this a lot when people try to tell, like hippy-dippies in L.A. would always try to tell you about the natural diet that they're on. And you're like, yeah, what, what's the natural mm-hmm. diet? It, whatever it was, they were describing you some t- uh, the, Describing a way of eating to you that no human being who lived in nature could have ever accomplished, <laughs> and certainly not in winter, right? Like what? Well, we evolved only to eat like tempeh, te- <laughs> hail, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, um, I, I, I
2: think I think the issue is, um, I think overpopulation is an, is an issue mostly in density. And I had this conversation with Michael Malice because, you know, I, I think that you got to get to the nuance of things. Often these arguments don't explore the deeper issues. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think overpopulation, overpopulation is a problem. You've got dead zones in the Gulf. You've got garbage patches. You've got the windshield phenomenon. Bug uh, uh, populations are in decline. And all of these things seem to be tied to, you know, pollution, to which Michael Malice responded, yeah, but that's an issue of density in cities. And I'm like, I'll absolutely accept that because I think that's the root of it. And I'm, and I'm willing to say, you know what? Perhaps the solution is people shouldn't live so close together in concrete blocks that smell like sour milk. That's
3: right. But mm-hmm. it's also, uh, there are so many problems with cities in, in terms of our politics and sure. pollution. And, but there's a bigger issue here. The, the better point you're making, in my opinion, is that as as more and more humans are born, more and more complexity is added to humanity. And that complexity actually drives things like innovation. So yes, you get a spaceship, but you also get... Uh, uh You also get like super wheat. Like Al- Alex Barlow. Barlow is the name of the guy who invented... No-
2: Norman Borlaug. No- Norman Borlaug.
3: Thank you. Norman Borlaug. Uh, you know, The reason that we have more people now and we can eat, unlike what they predicted in the 70s, is because we innovated. Because now there was a need for something that didn't need to exist before that. So, yes, the more people you add to the world... The the more complexity is added to the world, the more problems are added to the world, and the more potential solutions are added to the world. For so, instance, uh, colonized space, yes?
6: Yeah, and pestilopsis, oh, yeah. there's a mushroom that'll break down plastic and turn it into sugar, which you can actually eat. It's called pestilopsis microspora. And if enough people know about that, we can recover like what Boyan Slat's doing in the Pacific with the garbage patch. Mm. He's actually I, recovering it. Break it down and eat it. I gotta, you can alloy it with it. You can turn it into chemicals and things. Can I, I got, well,
2: real, real quick point. Um, we did an interview with Ben Shapiro, and mm-hmm. Ian really shined in his moment because Ben mentioned on a lecture that these, these uh, charts and predictions about climate change never consider mitigation factors, to which Ian enlightened Ben on carbon capture graphene production. Yeah,
6: an adaptive technology that will eventually... What you can do is you deposit carbon dioxide onto a palladium copper alloy, uh, and then at at some point, we're going to be withdrawing so much carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and producing graphene, this new building material, that we'll actually be competing with trees. And if we don't do it right and start now and start organizing, we're going to overcompensate and start starving the trees of carbon dioxide. So it's, we're going Ian's, to eventually Ian's work view together. of it is more of a global cooling perspective because people don't consider the new technology
2: that comes out that could actually threaten the inverse, which is graphene is this wonder technology that Ian never shuts up about thank you and you know I got him a little vial for for Christmas uh, <laughs> la- the year before last but uh, uh production requires carbon capture and that means we might start mining carbon dioxide from the atmosphere to make graphene which is a a, a it's like a super material yeah it can be you it's, it's it, it can be uh, manipulated in many ways it's like what well, superconductor
6: a super capacitor it's a conductor it's like a touchscreen wallpaper you can make it or you can make clothing that's like a touchscreen computer so batteries wires th- I mean I'll, I'll put but it this sounds way. like
4: hell. I don't want to wear
2: that at all. It's pure, yeah. Carbon. Yeah. It's pure carbon. It's pure carbon. It's organic. In in, wow. in in 10 years, the conversation
5: on climate change may be totally inverted to, yep. these these graphene companies are, are cooling the planet. Well, we've seen it before <laughs> because the, the narrative was initially that the planet was cooling, and then it was yeah. that the planet was getting hotter, and then it's just that we have climate change, didn't, and so it can go in either direction. It's why
2: you didn't, can... Sorry, I was going to say, didn't they tell people to drive their cars as much as they could back in the day, like in the 70s? You know
4: what they'll say now, too? The the libs and the alarmists will say, oh, the global cooling thing, that was just a brief media phenomenon. No scientific institutes ever really pushed that. I have half a chapter of my book just devoted to outlining every major scientific institute that was pushing this stuff. They pushed it for years, and now they've completely memory-holed it because it's inconvenient. So, of course, it's going to happen again. Of course, they're going to go in the other
3: direction. Conservatives love post-apocalyptic stories like we love walking dead and i i I say we because i count myself among the people who loves things like the walking dead but the truth is my my worldview informs me that it isn't possible not only that the zombie aspect of the zombie apocalypse isn't possible but the entire idea of the complete collapse of human civilization is impossible because we are humans and we innovate because if there really was a zombie apocalypse I would be the god king of zombie extermination, and I would be looking up to Elon Musk, who would be killing trillions of zombies <laughs> somehow. Like, we we are a, da- a highly, highly adaptive species, and when a need presents itself, we find ways to meet that need. Elon did make a flamethrower. Oh, I love it. He, maybe it's he comparing. knows something
4: we don't. About melting zombies. I, yeah.
3: I discovered that that same flamethrower is terrific for melting harry's and gillette razors <laughs> was that the elon flamethrower it was <laughs> yeah of oh, course man. jeremy boring was going to use the oh, boring flamethrower <laughs> right. in his video
2: yeah so i i look you know my, my view on climate change is i have no problem when you know the the establishment or mainstream narrative is that we mat, we're, we're we're burning lots of fuels it's re- resulting in a lot of carbon it's warming the planet i say okay all of that follows as far as i can tell with with logic but I think Ben is right about mitigation factors. And also, if you
6: want to uh, talk more about the heating up of the planet, uh, it looks like there's evidence that we're still in an ice age and that what happened 13,000 years ago is a comet shattered over North America, and peppered the glacial continent, caused a global flood. But we're still in the ice age. We just prematurely melted a bunch of the ice off. So we're going to continue to melt the rest of the ice and warm. So you
1: well, oh, uh, that sounds
5: terrible. That's out of I Utah State. Polar. I think it's interesting because when people talk about overpopulation, it's almost as if at the societal level, what we are in the West, is that unbelievably wealthy couple with no children yeah. and who happen to be debating whether or not they can afford one. It's, it's just an unbelievable failure of optimism, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I was at a, a bar after I graduated college with my father, and he was going around asking young people, are you optimistic? And they would all answer yes, and he'd say, "Do you want to have children?" Oh no, I couldn't have children. I couldn't have kids. You know, and that stuck with me because people like to conceive of themselves as optimistic. They like to say, "I have an imagination," but then they're not. They're not interested in investing in the future that way. And not only that, but they will actually because it's okay, you know, if you're not married, if you're not in that position yet. But they will shame other people for having children and being optimistic and wanting to bring life into the world, and that's a very ugly thing. So my my question is. If, you know, Elon Musk is the one guy on the other side of this,
2: what's the motivation of people like, if if Bill Gates is wrong, if all of these billionaires are wrong, why do they want less people?
4: You know, there there was a great comment that Charlie Kirk made the other day, and everyone made fun of him for it, and it was so smart. He said that tall buildings turn people into libs, Mm -hmm. and Media Matters made fun of him, and he said, we need to, we need to develop horizontally more than we develop vertically. And everyone made fun of him, except he's completely right. Going back to the Tower of Babel into the present, there was a line that Chesterton observed. He said, when you're, when you're in the heights of a building, of a really tall building, people look like insects. Everything seems really, really small. When you're down in the valleys looking up at great things, when you're on your knees praying, looking up, only then can you raise your eyes to heaven. Only then can you raise your eyes to hope. But when you're at the top of that building, you just feel like God, and you're going to act like God or what you think God is. I think that's what happened to Gates and to all these other lunatics who are so anti-human. Well, and it's funny because the left
5: will, you know, the, the left has this hyper-fixation on media critique, and I think it's good to critique media, but they'll take the most insignificant elements of a property and argue that it's influencing human behaviors in ways far more profound than I think a reasonable person would acknowledge. But then when you look at architecture, which surrounds us at all times, they be, they act as if it's ridiculous to even insinuate more beautiful architecture, creates a more beautiful culture or results in better attitudes. <laughs> I, I hear what
2: you're saying michael but i guess my question would still be even if they think they're god why less people i mean certainly if you were god you'd want no, more but, because, because
3: they actually do see people as an impediment to nature mm-hmm. and they see nature as being supreme so you'll actually read these people say things like elon musk is gonna go to mars and he'll just pollute it the way we polluted the earth <laughs> with think, people well, <laughs> who who cares He's going to go mine an asteroid, the beautiful, natural, pristine asteroid. So that The asteroid has zero value if there are no people observing it. <laughs> How dare yeah. you say that people – you're saying that people are supreme. Well, I'm actually saying that God is supreme uh, and that God made people, and yes, people are supreme. And to have, real quick, real quick <laughs> yeah. just because I want to lose this
2: point. Have you guys ever seen or read Watchmen? Watchmen. No.
3: Yeah, I've seen it, but I have not so, read it. So, uh, no, no? No, I don't. Uh, you guys, I think – was it a movie a long time ago? Uh, not about not so, not not ten, ten years, years ago, years, but yeah. the, so the graphic so, novel is so considered
2: it, yeah. like the better form. But uh, there's there's an element of the story where Doctor Manhattan, who is the one being with godlike powers, but he's like I am not a god. You know, I can only see my own past and present, or my own past and future. He leaves Earth to go to Mars. He's tired of humanity, and he makes this big machine, like clock like. And then there's this uh, young woman he was previously in a relationship with who wants to talk to him. He brings her to Mars and he says, look at Mars. It, is, it, it, it has existed this way for eons with not a single human or life. Would you say to me that this planet would somehow be better with a shopping mall or parking lots? And then what he ultimately what it concludes with is he says to her, you continually demand I see the world your way, but you refuse to see the world my way. And so she lets him, using his powers, see her entire life, you know, basically from start to finish the way he sees the world. But in that moment, he sees her past. And in her past, this woman's mother was almost raped by a man. And then she went back to him later and conceived this daughter. And Dr. Manhattan says, seemingly impossible. A woman who had every reason to hate this man chose to love a man she should have hated. And after all the billions of years and the energy all coming together, the only thing that exists is you. I was wrong. Miracles do exist. It's you. You've convinced me I'll come back to earth with you. And so thinking about that line, brilliant writing. Who, who was that? Was Alan friend, Moore. Alan Moore who wrote that. Man, that guy's amazing. But I thought about that and I'm just like, humanity is, each individual human is so insanely unique in the billions of years it took to create one person. Yeah. And that person will never exist again, no matter how similar or, you know, they may be to another person.
4: 18
0: plus without people it's a rock that's
6: right well I I actually beg to differ this is something called the blood falls in Antarctica and you'll want to pull this up Uh, as the glaciers have been melting and and fresh water is pouring into the ocean we're like oh it's going to create dead zones all of a sudden this blood red water rivers comes pouring out of Antarctica no one knows what it is so it turns out it's iron yeah it's fair what it's doing is it's uh, called it's fertilizing the ocean it's something called iron fertilization when you introduce iron iron oxide into the ocean it grows plankton which mm-hmm. then allows food for fish. And then you see a fish boom. So the earth looks like it's preparing for us a flood, a freshwater flood by fertilizing ahead of time. Uh, we're not alone here as humans.
3: No, but, but we're the only thing of value here.
6: the fish don't matter
3: without us. That's well, But we can't fish only without the fish. I think they of matter. Course, I we think we really matter the, the most. Uh, we exist in nature. Of course. I mean, so we have a, uh, sim- we're symbiotic in a sense with nature. But nature was given to us by God. The, the fish has no concept of the fishes. The, there's no existential crisis for a fish. Uh, all, anything that we think about a fish... Only we think the fish doesn't think it. But the, the, well, the
6: fear is that if the ocean were to flood freshwater, we'll lose our fish population and starve. There'll be giant, and the, it looks like right, right, but, the Earth is protecting us. Against but, but, yeah, but, yeah. But,
2: but that doesn't change uh, Jeremy or Michael's perspective. I would, I would view it sort of from a more secular perspective. You know, you can say we're gifted nature by God. I would look at it like the uh, various forms of life effectively form a foundation for what humanity is creating. Mm-hmm. Now, does not mean to say that I think humans are the superior uh, in this context, better than any other form of life, just that we're the most adaptable and smartest and more prone to survival, which from a secular perspective, the strongest survive and everything else functions as sort of right. even even from a are. secular
3: perspective, you'd have to say uh, we're the only being on the planet that has a moral code of any kind. So in some sense, you could say, well, we're the most evil because we violate our moral code. And that's true. A lion eating a gazelle isn't evil. It's just a lion. Uh, so we we both conceive of the concept of good and of the concept of evil. That's why, I, I, all of that lives I in wonder, humanity.
2: Uh, do we see animals pray after they kill prey?
4: Pray, P R A Y or P R E Y?
2: Humans often uh, pray before a meal. Well, they'll pray before yeah. a meal, but mm-hmm. um, it and also stems kill, back yeah. to after killing. That's mm-hmm. right. Giving thanks to yeah. what they have taken away. A sort yeah. of acknowledging that, that they they take to you know they're right. they're, they're, they're receiving something else's life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a case I haven't heard of of animals recognizing the, you know, the, the suffering and the pain of, an, of some other animal that they have claimed their energy to, to themselves. I, ju- I just look at it this way. For, for the entirety of, of life on the planet, you have this constant battle between evolution or, or you know, whatever your view is. If uh, a lion is trying to chase a gazelle and it's too slow, it starves. The gazelle get, becomes faster. So only the, the fastest lions make it. And that's, you know, natural selection. But then humans come along and all of a sudden have a new ability adaptation through intelligence, through tool making, and now nothing can compete with us. This means that everything on the planet we are the ones able to leave the planet. We are we we are in complete control of the planet. We have dominated the planet in every way. And it's not a moral judgment on the value uh, of life at all. It's just a mathematical equation. Well, and it's
4: a great responsibility, too, because if we abuse our stewardship of, of the planet and of all the creatures, then uh, that's, I think, intrinsically wrong, and that would also be very bad for us. So it entails a lot of responsibility. But to this point here of really humans are kind of what it's all about on Earth— we don't prosecute the lion when the lion eats mm-hmm. the gazelle. It would be absurd to do that and, and that's why they're they're not uh, uh, open to these sort of moral this trans well, order
2: different question if someone owned a gazelle and a lion jumped in and ate the gazelle and then fled, would we go after that lion track it down and kill it?
4: Probably if he were going to come back and eat another one
2: I, I I don't think so i I actually think that if someone had a ranch in you know the savannah, and they had gazelle, and a lion broke in, ate the gazelle and left. They'd be like, <sighs> I'd go you know, kill that lion. I don't, I
4: don't, I don't have other we, gazelles. When Noles you, has when a very angry, at, wicked soul.
2: Yeah.
3: Right? <laughs> when you look at ranchers, for example, in Montana, who have a problem where, uh, you know, wolves, you know, who've been reintroduced into the population, start eating their livestock. Uh, they have to defend their livestock. They, def- they defend their livestock because of the word live. Like, right the, the the more important life isn't the life of the stock, it's the life of the stockholder. But well they that that is so they're defending themselves. When you know, we, we get mad when Westerners go over and kill lions in Africa, but like the local tribes are pretty happy about it because they have to live with those lions. But- so my, my, my question is, do we, do we
2: hunt down those wolves, or we create, do, we, do, we, do we create preventative measures, or do we seek retribution?
4: Right. I'm, I'm not trying to uh, get vengeance on the wolf, right. but no, I am trying to Dick, solve the problem. Bowls of hell. <laughs> well, the, the reason I bring this up is
2: because in the instance where a human kills a human, we hunt that person to the ends of the earth to, That's make, right. t- to lock them up or, in yeah. many circumstances, depending on the severity of the crime, put them to death. I'm not convinced we do that for yeah. to the same degree with animals. No.
3: I would kill the last panda bear on earth to save the most reprehensible human mm. on earth even mm, though yeah. there are 7 billion other humans That's on earth. That's a great point. Totally. Why? Because would, the life of any human is superior to the life of the entire species Now, does that mean that I don't think we have a moral obligation to be good stewards of the earth or that I think we don't have a moral obligation to look after the panda? I'm not heartless. I'm not Matt Walsh. I don't want (laughs) to. I don't mean the panda harm. But I am saying that, you know, Dennis Prager has been asking this question for literally for 30 years now. Every year he asks if your pet dog were drowning in the same river current where a total stranger is drowning. Which one would you save? Mm. And he says, 30 wow. years ago, everyone said the stranger. And today, the majority of everyone says their pet dog. Is that's, a mental illness? Really? Is is that's, that's a great me-
6: Really? Is that good or is it mental illness?
3: I, I, it's not good. It's, it's They're their,
6: their, their wealthy yeah. painting or they're well, the they don't know. This is
2: interesting right. because I, I actually tweeted something. Let me see if I can pull it up so I can pull up the results. Oh, yeah, that poll. Yeah, because I was thinking about something similar. Let me see if Twitter... Uh, uh, Okay, yeah, definitely. Twitter can pull this up. Let me get this poll for you guys. Mm. It's an interesting question in line with this. I am scrolling down, and here we go. We go. Would you kill someone to stop them from ki- stop them from killing your pet? Seventy-seven point four percent said yes. Twenty-two point six percent said no.
3: I would, but I don't think that these are related. They're not right. unrelated questions, but they're not the same Agreed. question. Right? Killing, killing a human to stop them from committing a barbarous act against you in the and and as a proxy your pet is a proxy right. for you in that situation is different would i kill someone who was starving to keep them from killing and eating my cow mm. no right. would i kill the intruder who breaks into my home and as an act of evil is going to kill my dog yes that's not mm-hmm. he 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 has yeah. he has forfeited in my view he has forfeited <sighs> his life because of his act of evil not because the life of a pet is superior to the life of a man that, that's not I, so, that's a. That's a, a distinct question.
2: I, I agree too, and I think the the instance here with this question also implies that, you know, I, my my view this question is not that you're, you're like I want to kill this person. It's they're 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 seeking to cause harm to me, my life. Perhaps your pet is more than maybe it's your dog you need for your farm. The point is. is it's not that you want to kill the person. No. It's that you're put in a situation where they're attacking you.
3: And it's that people exist in a moral framework that, that animals don't, and he is in violation of the moral framework. This is, um, I think, an incredibly important question generally about human beings is at what point is someone outside of the law, right? Is it That's what outlaw actually meant historically, that you're no longer subject to the protection of the law. You've forfeited the protections of law because you've acted in contravention of them. This but, is, but again— if someone broke into my house and my house caught fire and I had to make a distinction, a decision of who will I go in and save the man who was committing a, a bad act or my dog, I would have an obligation probably to save the man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if the same man were trying to kill my dog, I would have the right to kill the man. Yeah.
2: Well, but, well I, this is, this is uh, Just real quick, just to say that it's a fascinating point because I, I hope everybody really thinks down deep about the love they have for their pet, their dog, their cat, turtle, whatever. And then imagine seeing a stranger in a current screaming for help and you being like, I ain't saving that person. I want to save my pet. I, I think of that question and I'm like, wow. You know, I'm thinking of my pet, you know, our cat Bocas. Everybody loves him. Mm. And if I saw Bocas frantic in the water and I saw someone I didn't know, I'd go for the person. Mm. And then I would be tearing at my heart that my my pet
7: died. Yes, yeah. yeah. But Jeremy is correct when he says it is not the same question. I answered that yes, I would because someone who is willing to kill a small, in my instance, it is a cat who loves me very much, like a dog. If someone were willing to kill an animal, then you have to ask, what else are they willing to do? Which would inevitably, I would think, extend to humans, which is something mm-hmm. that I think would be better without. The world would be better without. But it.
2: but but again, too, I think the, the 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 main issue and the nuance of the question mm-hmm. is. Typically, in any circumstance of defense... You don't want to kill
3: someone. You want to stop them. By the way, I would also kill my dog, whom I love very much, if he were attacking a child Mm -hmm. who I didn't know. right?
5: Yeah, Yeah. so I want to make this point. That's part of the difficulty with the framing is just sort of the nuance of self-defense. Self-defense isn't about saying, I want to kill this person or I have a right to kill this person. It's saying, I have a right to stop this person. If deadly force is necessary and they die, that's unfortunate, but it's an unintended consequence. What
6: if there's like a thousand people that are dying of starvation that redirect your water supply uh, because they need to survive? Did you go kill them?
3: No. What? Do you just die? Well, well. Do I die? Yeah. Well, yeah. What would you do? Uh, I get the question is, am I dependent on the water yes. supply as mm-hmm. well? Yes. Oh yes. yeah, and I'm taking course. my water. Yeah. Supply yeah. Well, back if if
5: sure. if it's what's required to support yourself yeah. and your family, even if they don't
6: know it's who it's you different. are, and, and as far as they're concerned, they're just innocently redirecting well, water. I, I I'd probably we're, just take the water We're taking
3: back. it. We're taking it to an extreme and saying. Mm. Were there other options? Were there diplomatic options for mm-hmm. resolving the question?
6: Yeah, uh, clarifying if there's no malice involved. They're just doing what they need to do to survive, like you said, stealing the cow, killing your cow to eat it. Mm-hmm. Well, But, but Ian, it's simple. You just go and explain to them then. There's no malice. You say,
2: I'm really sorry, but this is the water that I need to survive, and you're, you're hurting me. And then if they choose to escalate and aggress upon you, then you've got a situation. And what if they just say no? Well, yeah, now, now they're th- killing you. Th- so th- yeah. this
3: is actually very interesting. In almost all modern sci-fi, if humans go to another place—Earth hu- dies— The last spaceship full of humans goes out into outer space. We land on a planet, and we bring some sort of disease or something to the planet, and now there's a battle between us and the the native people on the planet. The morality of every modern piece of fiction says, in the end, we have to lose. We have to lay down our lives because we didn't belong here. This wasn't our place. But that's actually not the correct moral answer. The correct moral answer is if I take my family to another planet, and I'm an existential threat to the people of that planet, they are an existential threat to me. I have a right to defend my life and the life of my family. I, I am not asked to su- to subordinate that impulse, that or that that not only impulse but that right uh, simply because my existence is a threat. Well, to plus somebody. they're what about? they're aliens, right? What? I mean this only half,
4: flippantly. They're aliens. <laughs> Slaughter the aliens. I don't give a damn. about. They're the foreigners. Aliens, right? I mean, if, if we're talking about, you know, really then we're talking about questions of colonialism. And yeah, it's the same right. answer today. The, the explorers, the conquistadors, you know, they were terrible, awful people. Cortez should have lost. And it's an important example because... Cortez is one of the most incredible, great men to ever walk the earth who took down a demonic empire called the Aztec Empire that slaughtered 80,000 people, women, little babies, children in the span of four days by ripping their still beating hearts out of their chest and kicking down a a pyramid. So, you know, the the particulars matter there. And you can actually judge the the moral question on these, the the particular people in the particular time and, and what they're doing. Why do you think Jesus didn't rouse his followers to fight back? Well, he he does say uh, at one point he says sell your cloak and go purchase a sword. So
3: we've discussed this on the show before. Yeah, Yeah.
6: Yeah. do you think it's just propaganda that he never really let himself get caught
3: and killed? No, that Jesus isn't Jesus is not a political figure. He's he's almost the only figure in human history who didn't who who isn't political in the sense that the work that he was here to do. Well, he's the king. I mean, he's the
4: king, king of kings.
3: At the time, he he
6: challenged the political power structure of the time. But he was he
3: was primarily. Challenging the authority of man over the soul and uh, the the authority of death over man mm. he, he wasn 't the, the the battle that Christ was here to fight was a battle against sin and death well that 's a great point, Jeremy because actually. That that is in this ultimate
4: sense, political. the the political That's battle, right. because the the well, only political power that that uh, anyone
3: has is the fear of death, and Christ conquers like, it. Is the Christ, there anything right? you
6: would sacrifice yourself for, or your family for, if God called it, or whatever? Mm. If you yeah, truly
3: for, for Christ, right. well, like, and and not only for Christ, there are, uh, very it's very easy to imagine a world where you are called into con into conflict, called into combat. Many in our generation were, and they laid down their lives for their ideals, for their family, for their country. Mm. All. There, there is a noble place for all of that. Uh, it doesn't, though, mean that you have an obligation not to defend yourself. I would go so far as to say those Aztec who were horrible, evil, demonic—I'll I'll grant you all of that language—they also had a right to defend themselves against Cortez. So, in, oh, a, yeah. in an yeah. ultimate moral sense, I agree that Cortez was in the more moral yeah. position.
4: They should have just uh, laid down their arms. But yes, yeah. Let me
2: expand upon uh, up this conversation. If there was a rapid and your wife was mm-hmm. caught in it but you know equally distant was a child who would you save if you don't it's save not my child not your child
4: my wife
2: would you agree no i would save the child interesting and, you know I, i'm not bringing it up because i think there's, a, there's an answer i'm just curious no, it's, as an, to it's the, an
3: impossible question right uh I, I had this debate with my aunt when i was very you know a young man uh, i said if, if your husband and one of your children were drowning which would you save?" And she said her husband well, and, I, well I, think I, I, I was somewhat, just the, just I was somewhat well, outraged at the time, but now I realize it's just an impossible question.
2: Just the point, real quick, is when Ian asked, "What would you sacrifice your, you know, your family for?" You would sacrifice your family to save the life of a child or, yeah. or a member of your family.
3: I, I also, I don't know. You don't know what would happen in a right. situation, but I have mentally attempted to prepare myself to lay down my life for a stranger. Like if I were in a seven and a Seven Eleven and someone came in and started robbing people, would I put myself between the gun and an old woman who I don't know or a young woman whom I don't know? I don't know. I don't want to claim virtue that I don't possess. But I've tried mentally to prepare myself for the fact that it would be my, I believe, moral obligation to lay down my life for a stranger.
6: What concerns me is that some people, and this is maybe this is an interesting thing for me to say, but that some people are evil and some people are good and some people are if you if you would sacrifice your good wife for some evil child that you don't know, it well, turns we're, out to we're be all evil, evil <laughs> aren't we? Well, first of all, <laughs> so yeah.
2: evil child.
3: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you continue. continue <laughs> cute, I, I just cute, wanted to mention. Cute, little demon. I think
5: the, I think <laughs> I a part of the, the difference <laughs> t- between the answers is that Knowles's wife told him she's going to be watching a show tonight. <laughs> 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 of course, I would say, my wife, honey. There's He's a great sketch
2: this Did scenario of a guy being like I'm sorry honey I have to save the child and then when he pulls the kid out he, he, he you don't see the kid's face but then when, when, he, when he puts the kid down it's got a Hitler haircut and a mustache <laughs> <He's> like, what <laughs> have <No>! I done <laughs> the reason I ask is
6: because are some people better than others are some people more yes. valuable to the species I do believe that that's true and for whatever reason maybe the other person's toxic maybe they've eaten toxic foods maybe they were raised poorly and like but if you don't know ahead of time
3: yeah in a, tri- a good- in a triage situation right the, the the example we keep using is this like acute emergency there are two people in the rapids in the current drowning you're not in a position in that situation to make a moral determination between the individual and the other individual you're making fairly
4: broad don't you think though that you you have a as a head of household as a husband that you you your primary responsibility in that situation even if you would lay down your life for the stranger i i like to think that i would at least Mm -hmm. that you have a, a responsibility of loyalty and as the head of your household to go for the wife before the stranger even if it's little baby Hitler and and, and arguably (laughs) too
2: well arguably too with your wife you can have more children
1: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: so it's it's tough question
3: yeah again it's an impossible question I'm I'm interested in what Michael's saying that you certainly as a husband as a head of a house you have an obligation uh, a moral and spiritual obligation to your wife at the same time I believe that my wife would want me, would want to sacrifice her life for the child as well. Yeah. Let, let, us. Not Elisa, she's a killer. She, <laughs> she killed the kid herself. All right, all right. Pre-cocious. All right hear, hear, hear,
2: hear me out on this, all right? You're standing in front of a rapid, and there's your son being swept away,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and equally distant is a dog, but. It's got a bag strapped to it that says
5: cure for cancer oh on God. it. Mm. Now. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I know some pretentious dog owner didn't just put that there
0: <laughs> yes, so that we would want to save their kids. <laughs> you
4: know, it's so weird that we're having this conversation right now because I was asked this question at Yale about three days ago. A kid, oh, wow. a kid walks up and he says, to, to end world hunger would you fillet another man? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's me and it's Senator Cruz is there too. And you're both like, yes, without question. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Where do I sign up? No. And uh, so, uh, but I, I had an answer right away. I mean, you know, obviously the kid was just trying to get some laughs, but, it actually is a simple question. It, it gets down to a, a basic ethical question, which is: Do good ends justify mm-hmm. immoral means? And then apparently the Yalies were confused that I thought that particular act was immoral. With the, you know, hey, listen, <laughs> we'll get to that later, maybe. But, like why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's a really basic question in ethics, and it's the the answer is no. Good yep. ends do not justify immoral means. Then you can justify anything, right? And probably the premise in all of these cases is absurd and won't pan out that way. So if it's do I save the human? person or the dog that maybe the dog will magically lead me to cure cancer you you still you always have to pick the human even if the dog actually will lead you to cure cancer
3: yeah
2: it's uh,
4: it's interesting I you, suppose
3: you, if you knew not to, if you knew you're the scientist you've been part of the team you have the cure for cancer you put it in the bag so the dog could guard it somehow both things are now in the river that in that situation you've taken ambiguity out right. you're not saving the dog you're saving the cure to cancer in other words, you're allowing the person you love to die because of a belief about the lives of thousands or millions of humans. So that mean, is that is a different you, that's a different moral or I want to address what you said: save,
2: choosing to save one or the other are both moral acts. It's just a di- difficult one. Yeah. And yeah. your and your analogy, you have a choice between an immoral mac immoral act for a positive end. You know what I mean?
4: I, I suppose so, except. I don't know, I mean in, in, the, in the act itself, so not merely, you're not saying I, the, the act here is I am going to cure cancer, but you know, and obviously we're in a slightly absurd scenario, but <laughs> if you're saying I'm saving the dog that does have this real 100% cure for cancer, or you're saving the child, I'm not convinced that those acts are of equal moral weight. I think I, you I, still go for the child. I, so I, I agree. don't, I, agree. I don't, on. because
3: I don't think you're saving the dog. You're, that you're saving... Uh,
4: information? Well, no, no, later no, 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 down
3: hold, the line. Hold, hold, but hold, isn't hold, that hold, still considered preserving preserve to, to the hold, I want to clarify. And let, and me, let me clarify.
2: What I'm saying is, if you were just to save a dog or save a person, they're both moral acts. They're not equal. The human, obviously, yeah, yeah, should yeah. be saved. But if, if it was like, kill the dog to cure cancer or save a
4: child, it's like, well, don't take the immoral act of killing the animal, right? But but then, even, to take it even further, then, then we're really saying, okay, would you save your child... Or a million people who aren't your child, right? Because that's what you're saying. When you say you're going to cure yeah. cancer, you're saying a million oh, strangers man. or your child. All and right. in that case, Wait. I think it comes back to the same. Role
3: although, that I hold al- on. Al- although God, God chose the million people.
4: He, what do you mean?
3: God allowed His child to die. He did. Yeah, for yeah. The yeah sal- he did. For the salvation of many. Yeah. Also, to, well, to, quote, to quote a great man, better that one man uh, yeah. should die for the nation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then. to...
4: No, it's actually a very good point, Jeremy, but I, I still don't think in that case, if I am the head of my household, am I supposed to sacrifice my son? You know, God stays uh, Abraham's hand, but I don't know, that's a good question. That a good sounds
6: question. like a, a test of God if you found yourself in that situation.
5: I just, I have a hard time believing that you've all forgotten the economic motivation here to having the cure for cancer, yeah. all right, all this, oh, <laughs> I would save the dog because I care about humanity. Yeah. No, you want to sell the cure. No, you're right. I see you and guys. then
4: clone
2: your
5: kid exactly. with all the money you make. You're like, <laughs> I've
4: got enough money. I cure you want to You want to take the cure and say, I'll destroy it if Big Pharma <laughs> writes me to a check you, every.
3: As a Richie Rich, let me just tell you that <laughs> if I had the kind of money that came from curing cancer i would probably just drown kids for sport. <laughs> you could be like nothing nothing uh, it, it is ecclesiastes like nothing can satisfy nothing brings me joy no i just drown children like, jeremy you've been rich for four days yeah i don't know man the Markita side was right i don't know it seems
4: like
6: there is a utilitarian aspect of this because if you're willing to save information uh or technology and let people die as a result then it's like where how where does the line draw there hmm. How many people would you let die for the greatest technology? Tim? Yeah, I, uh, right. Yeah,
4: I mean, uh, so now we're kind of back at the first part. And though, I where think I that's just, why you, Knowles is getting the base principle here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because if you, 15. if you just reject utilitarianism and and consequentialism and all that, then you know,
2: then it's then Do you're, you're you, just like you're never confused. What's about. a good number? Forty-two. Yeah, forty-two. That's the mean. I mean, meaning yeah. of life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right.
6: Wow, that's tough, man.
2: Uh, the ends don't justify the means. I'll never yeah. accept that because there are no ends. This is what we hear Mm -hmm. from Antifa Mm -hmm. and these these uh Mm -hmm. uh, lying media manipulator Mm -hmm. and cult members is that if we just be evil now, it will be good later. But it's like, bro, it's always now. It is always now.
6: I, I, I just I think it's that's idealistic in that like working out the ends do justify the pain of the
4: workout. No, but the pain of the workout is intrinsically good because it's it's strengthening. It's virtuous, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And,
2: and 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 you're you're putting yourself through often strain. You're causing yourself harm for a better end. Like it, you're it, you're sacrificing for more. We're talking about would you take a drug yeah. to make yourself better? Well, no, you're hurting yourself. You're causing yourself problems.
3: It is it is the ultimate pagan offering, is to is to offer the blood of the innocent for prosperity. Right. Those Aztecs who pulled the still beating hearts mm-hmm. out of 80,000 women and children were essentially doing it so that the crops would grow. And when Planned Parenthood slaughters 60 million babies in this country, yep. they're, they're doing it so we can make a little bit more money. Oh, women are poor. Oh, women aren't going to be able to provide for themselves if they murder their own children <clears throat> and, sp- and spill their innocent blood. They will be. And so I I ultimately think that any time we ask these questions at the root, we're actually we're actually asking do we need to quench the thirst of Moloch or something? Yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. let, me, yeah. let, me, let me let me pull up the
2: story we have uh, on that note from the Daily Mail. Ron DeSantis signs law banning abortion after 15 weeks. Republican says we are here to defend those who can't defend themselves. So we also have another bill here. This is from—oh, mm-hmm. uh, that's the wrong story. Here we go. <laughs> Kentucky lawmakers override Governor Bashir's vetoes on abortion, fairness in women's sports. We're seeing across the country. Yeah. Many states are just saying outright Roe v. Wade is no longer relevant. They're just passing the laws. I think Oklahoma made that bill, which outright makes abortion a felony. Well,
3: but Colorado passed a law or Colorado's governor passed a law this week or proposed a law uh, that says abortion all the way up until the moment of birth, which also says that Roe v. Wade doesn't matter because Roe v. Wade disallows that very same concept. So on both sides, at, bo- at, at both political extremes, Roe v. Wade, because Roe v. Wade was a nonsensical ruling yeah. in the first place, yeah. it can't actually play out consistently. So C- nobody does. You want to break
2: down Roe v. Wade for us? I don't think we've actually ever actually got
4: into the nitty gritty. Well, I, I don't have my magnifying glass to find the emanations of the penumbras <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that entails this constitutional right, but it's just it's just a nonsense decision that came out in 1973 that said because of a vague generalized right to privacy and the vague emanations in the penumbras, abortions nowhere in. The text and if it is anywhere in the text It's in the 14th amendment and it prohibits Abortion but uh, because we don't want To deal with it anymore it it created this Fictional right to an abortion and ever Since then the pro-life movement's only grown Stronger You, you had it come back again in uh, 1992 with Planned Parenthood v. Casey mm-hmm. Which created a different justification for abortion Because again, as Jeremy said, it's, it's not in the text And so you, you come up with this new justification Which uh, focuses more on the tr- trimesters and viability And that doesn't make any sense Because with new technology, babies are now viable at a much earlier stage And so right now, just to put on my Noel Stradamus hat And predict the future here uh, we, we do seem to be at the first spot since Roe v.ersus Wade where the court, I think, is likely to overrule Roe. And the reason yeah. I think they're likely is because, from the oral arguments, one, you've already got Clarence Thomas, you've already got Alito. It seems like you got Kavanaugh. It seems like you got Barrett. It seems like you got Gorsuch. There you go. 5-4. You don't even have John Roberts yet. If Roberts joins the court's libs and it's 5-4, Clarence Thomas writes the decision. And man, that decision is going to (laughs) be good. Okay. So I think Roberts, to preserve the integrity and legitimacy of the court and actually to water down as much as he can the way that they would overrule Roe, I think he has to join the conservatives. So then you get a 6-3 decision.
2: uh, This can't be right. Bill Maher said that Republicans didn't want any black supreme court justices how could you how could you yeah. the, it's like the only
4: absence? one we like is the black guy you know? yeah.
6: this concerns me if i think if they do try to make abortion illegal that you're going to see a large uptick in miscarriages and what i mean by that is women accidentally falling over on purpose and landing on their stomachs until the baby's dead uh it's terrifying i just don't see the, i don't think you can oh, ever I, stop I women think... from killing a child they don't but want you can I, reduce I the think, number yeah and i don't think that's bad
3: People are like, you want women going into back alleys and putting their lives at risk? Yeah, but by the way, yeah, dude, but that's I, actually I mythical. want them to be, the them to be at risk yeah, if they you, are killing. You their can children. break this down if you want. Well, yeah. Also, overturning Roe doesn't make abortion illegal. This mm-hmm. is this is Correct, the great yeah. lie of the left: is oh, they're going to overturn Roe and no woman will be able to get an abortion. If only, but that's not actually what will happen. Well, what happens when they overturn Roe is it? It basically. Re- uh, becomes a state's rights issue again. And as you can see between the laws in Florida and the laws in Colorado, federalism is alive and well in this country. Mm. Even fifteen weeks puts you just on average with the most liberal democracies in Europe. No one allows abortion the way that we allow it in this country. Yep. No one except the Chinese and the North Koreans and allows the Canadians. Abor- uh, yeah and the it's Canadians those three. allows it, yeah. abortion the way that we do in this country. Uh so to push it back to the states is an enormous victory. In fact the Democrats are saying right now that while they still control the House and the Senate and the presidency, they should ensconce abortion in federal law yep. so that even if Roe is overturned by the court in June, uh, you still won't be able to do anything about abortion. Unfortunately— I don't think they have the votes in the Senate. Uh, fortunately, I don't think yeah, they have the votes no, in the Senate don't. to accomplish And
4: it. on this point of the back alley abortions, this is one of the biggest lies it's, from the abortion movement. It's literally mm-hmm. a lie. It's a lie. I mean, so one of the guys who came up with the lie, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, one of the founders of NARAL, he he came out and he said 5,000 women a year, at least, some people say 20 30,000 women a year, died from back alley abortions before Roe. He admitted they just made up the number. We actually have the number. The government kept the statistics. In 1972, the year before Roe versus Wade was decided, 39 Nine women died from back alley abortions, illegal ones. 24 women died from legal abortions. And what's even crazier is, when you look at the breakdown of states where abortion was legal versus illegal... Your likelihood of dying in an abortion was basically the same, whether it was legal or illegal. That was in the early 70s. It would be obviously much lower now.
5: Yeah, so we actually did a, an educational breakdown of this on for a Freedom Tunes video a couple of years ago. But basically, in the 1930s, you had something like a bit over 2,000 women who had died and been counted statistically as deaths from abortions and miscarriages. But that number decreased significantly after the advent of the widespread availability of penicillin. It was an issue of ant- women not getting antibiotics.
2: Yep. Take, take a look at this comic. Uh, I saw this recently, I think as I, saw, I saw it earlier today on Twitter, but uh, can, we, can we pull that up? There you go.. Yeah. Red states to blue states, the next refugees, women. women. women
3: what, they, are, what they wh- fail to ever bring uh, up in this conversation is how many women are pro-life? Mm-hmm. I, I, believe, I, believe, yes. I believe the majority of well,
5: pro-life yeah. people in the country are female. Are yeah. Yes, that's Well, right. and this is huge because the left never got the cultural shift that they wanted after Roe v. Wade. So as you mentioned, 60 million unborn children have died. Of course, that's not enough for them. They would rather that number was much higher. And when you look at how long ago the Supreme Court made its decision on the question of homosexuality that was what about 10 years ago and Mm -hmm. look where our culture is now i mean we've taken that almost to its furthest extreme but not quite yet it's very unpopular to say anything uh, against gay marriage it seems a large population a large percentage of the population believes in it but if you look at the abortion decision what this is 50 years ago and still half of the population is adamantly Mm -hmm. against it
2: i bring this up with uh new york they they recognize 31 different genders, but by law they recognize any possible gender, and gender identity is defined as effect, uh, essentially self expression. So, when the when when the arguments first come for uh, gender identity protections, everybody says we know what this means and what the intent is. There's a famous story about um, when they outlawed public drinking in New York, that one of the you know city council members or whatever said, "Let this law never be construed to say a construction worker can't enjoy a beer with his lunch." Sure enough, that's exactly what it means today. So in New York, when they say we want to protect trans people, we all say we totally understand that. We don't want people to be discriminated against. And then what happens is the law is tested and someone will say it says self-expression. That's how you defined it. I hereby challenge this and say my self-expression is that I can wear a clown costume into work or or a fursuit or something. You,
4: You know, there's an abortion tie in here too. one of the main drivers of transgenderism in the culture is that second abortion case, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, in which the uh, romantic poet of the court, Anthony Kennedy, said that at the heart of liberty is the ability to define our own concept of existence, yes. of the mystery of life. Scalia mocked it as the sweet mystery of life passage. You you do, I, I don't even have to say this, you don't have the right to define your own concept of existence No one has that right it, it, you, you don't have the ability to do that either You have a responsibility to accept reality And live in reality But but if, if Kennedy grants you that well, then it's just self-expression. I, right? I, I
2: disagree. I disagree. Uh, this is my trailer, my rules. From now on, you will address me as God King. Well,
6: also, oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, man.
3: there can be only one
6: capital, capital but, K.
2: But, but in all seriousness, I mean, if you're extremely wealthy, you know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos can go to their company and say, from now on, you must address me as this. And I suppose yeah. if
5: you're powerful enough, you can make people do what you want them to
4: do. The mad King, right? I mean, that's what
2: yeah,
5: the they yeah, get yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, it's also bizarre that like a legal scholar could determine that the law is about self-invention. Isn't it the exact opposite? It's about placing constraints on people. You know, I think, right, I right. think you, cool. you
6: can define reality the way you want, but you're subject to the consequences. You can say that there's a rock right there, and I can go hit the rock, but it's Tim, it turns out. And it, I'm going to suffer mad, but I might still psychotically have defined it improperly. That's still I, my
3: right as a human you know, being. I know this is it. my big problem with the whole conversation about, uh, about transhumanity at the moment, which is yeah. if, a, if a man says that he's a woman, he legally is a woman. If a man says that he's a carrot and I eat him, they still put me in prison. It's <laughs> awful. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I keep absolutely a point no Discrimination. No a, a better example
2: is the man who uh, filed a challenge to his age and said, if, if biology is self-identity, uh, th- then I can identify as younger. And they said, no, you can't do that. And, I, and yeah. so I've talked, talked, talked about this before where I, you know, I talked to several civil rights attorneys in New York about the limits of this. And they said the, judi- the judiciary exists to interpret the law. If you tried to, say, pull a fast one or challenge to, to, to absurdity, they'll throw you out. I, I, I completely reject that, that notion yeah. that you could be a biological male, six foot three, 200, 220 pounds, you know, muscular, and identify as a woman, put on a dress, go to a court, and the judge is not allowed to, to mock you. The judge must accept you under the law, but if you put on a fursuit under the same exact provisions in the law, you are protected. That the clothing you wear cannot be discriminated. The name you choose. So I am Volciferon, Herald of the Winter Mists. Mm-hmm. This is my, my identity. A judge can laugh at you then. Mm. I understand there is a distinction. The argument is that in modern culture, we recognize transgenderism as a legitimate issue. And we mock furries. But I reject the premise because eventually what we see is people will test the limits of the law. And eventually, in one generation or two, a judge will say, "It does say that."
6: Who am I to who am I to test, say no? T- test the limits of not only the law but reason itself. Like I, mm-hmm. I think of myself as a magnetic being. For instance, not everyone. I say to that agree. about you all the time. Thank you, Michael. So <laughs> you as well. Uh, not everyone has to agree with me on a daily basis. Very and If I stray too far from reality's observation of what I am, they're going to think I'm a psychopath and put me in like a psych ward. So you have. You can self-identify however you want, but you cannot bend reality. Well, I don't know if there's an objective. But reality, how, do you, but this how is, do you
4: do it then in practice? Is my because peop, this is seems to be the middle ground that people try to find. Is look, I don't care how you I self, self-identify in your own mind, but just don't make me participate in it. But the whole point of identity is so that you can be identified. So we live in a society. We live in a political community. How on earth can you, unless you're just doing it in your basement at night, yelling to nobody, how can you have that right to a delusional identity and not infringe on my right to reality? I mean, I I defer
6: Jesus Christ. I, I believe he was a real man, and he truly believed that God was flowing through him, which it was, and people did not like it. And he was like, well, I have a choice to make. I can either denounce this and pretend like I'm not, or I can... Be honest and let reality do what it will with me. And depending on how truly you believe it, you have to make that decision. But,
4: but yeah, but the premise there is he, Jesus is God. Is God. We were
6: told. I was told. I don't yeah, know. I believe I, mean, that. I, I don't know him, but. Yeah. i think he was you persistent. should know that was a very yeah. trump yeah. answer
5: <laughs> those are very true. i was told that i was <laughs> given that a lot of people are talking i was told that. one of the best um i just want to mention i just want to make this point about uh you know this this sort of self invention and coming up with your own identity my only question is to even get to that place how much time do you have to spend just thinking about yourself mm-hmm. no, no no no. already really yeah. obnoxious there,
2: there are many people who uh you know i can't remember who told us this story that someone in their class kept changing their identity they didn't know and one week they're like, this is who I am then a week later they're like no my name's Owen now and the next week they're no it's Clyde and it's just like if if it's if there's no identity then it can be anything at any time and, and there, there's no legal definition there's no, no legal distinction not it can to get, just
4: be not to get too theological here fellas but isn't look do teen, it. teenagers do that all the time right <laughs> teenagers that's sort of the definition of being 13 years old as you try on new identities all that ed- to I'm goth now I'm a rocker or whatever Uh, And and it's because they're immature and juvenile and they're coming to some concept of who they are. At the burning bush, God tells Moses, my name is I am. I am that I am. That's a name. He's saying I am being itself. Mm -hmm. Mm. And uh, your identity must be in me for you to make any sense. I am the divine logic of the universe. I am being. When you find your identity in I am things make sense. When you ignore that and turn away from I am at all times throughout every society in all of human history, things start to go pretty kooky. And you're left with a pathetic question, which is, who am I? Changes by the day. I want to go back to abortion real
2: quick because I'm thinking about this. Here I am, you know, surrounded by uh, more religious individuals who are much more staunchly pro-life. And uh, I've always said... So be careful. Right. Well, I've always said I was pro-choice. And I think one of the issues is that when you actually break down the, the absolute nuance of the argument, well, then it's like, what does pro-choice and pro-life really mean? And I think the pro-choice people typically do not understand or there's not enough complexity in the argument. So, for instance, when we were talking with Matt Walsh. He argued that abortion is the intentional act of killing a child. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right, I think that's wrong. But I think there are circumstances where a medical procedure would be done that would remove a baby from a mother, and that's where the nuance comes in. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, the conclusion was if you have to do something for the sake of the mother that would result in the the the, the child being removed you just don't try to kill the child and i said interesting i don't think the pro-choice left understands the right's position on that i think they you know first of all there's a real problem with the left's argument on pro-choice in that it is a scientific fact that life begins at conception and any argument otherwise is illogical it makes literally no sense right if you want to get to an authoritarian, libertarian argument on medical choices for private individuals, that's where I'm kind of at. But then the argument never actually addresses the true stance that that you guys might have or that uh, um, that Matt Walsh brought up in that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do the procedure to save the mother's life and try and save the baby, too. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Oh, you're saying they shouldn't just kill the baby afterwards. Well, I agree with that. I don't think most pro-choice people understand that's what you're saying.
4: I don't think they understand much of anything about pro-life, and I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I, I was pro-abortion for 10 years pro- in my teenage years. I Pro-abortion? Th- this I, was during I, you know, his goth phase. During, it was during my goth <laughs> rocker phase. Pro, no, I, pro-choice. I, I Pro-Aztec. Just, I, I guess I would have said pro-choice, but I I mean, I grew up in New York, surrounded by liberals. I went to a very liberal college, and I just didn't... I just thought conservatives wanted to control women's bodies. I, I actually—that's I, all I knew—and so I thought I can't. I'll cut taxes, but I don't want to. I don't. You used to be cool, man. What happened? I know, I was, <laughs> like, man, I was smoking doobies and stuff. <laughs> I was like Elon Musk. Uh, but were you like but, Elon yeah, Musk? Well, hold on. Some, some like Elon Musk. And then I, I had a conversation with a, with a woman bioethicist and i made all these stupid utilitarian arguments as to well you know all the free economics arguments well abortion it, it's, it stops overpopulation and uh, it lowers all these sorts of social pathologies and she said oh okay michael so which one of your arguments for you know lowering uh, crime and welfare dependency which one of your arguments is is not an argument for killing uh, young black men in inner cities mm. you're just making all the, it's the same argument right and i thought oh yikes i don't like that and and i mm-hmm. thought about it more deeply and i thought i realized oh they're not just evil people trying to control women's bodies maybe they maybe there's actually to this something to this idea that a baby is a baby and we shouldn't kill it
2: you know I, I said it's a scientific fact that life begins at conception and uh i just have never understood any logic and any circumstance even when I wasn't listening to, to more pro-life nuanced arguments that, you know, I think I think was it Vosh who said when, when, when he was asked by Charlie Kirk, when does life begin? He says, I don't know. Sometime after birth. Mm, I think that's, yeah, what that's what he said. And wow. I'm like, well, that can't make sense. Wild.
6: I think of it as life beginning at conception.
3: But at what point is it a human? Ah, we don't well, know. it's not a giraffe. We it's not a platypus. it is a human life. The, the real question is, when is it in sold? Mm. And the answer is, we don't know. It is. It is possible. That yeah, we, we, know, we know, it we is possible that we could discover uh, that life does not begin at conception. You know, I know a lot of people. Not, I'm sorry, not that life does not begin at conception, which of course it does. Not that human life doesn't begin at conception, which of course that it does. Uh, of course it does, but that the ensoulment of a of a of a child does not begin at conception. The Bible is not clear about this. There's an argument for you know wrestling in the womb, and we li- some pro life likes to use that. Uh, but there's also the breath of life. I mean, there are real questions about. To the extent that it is unknown, though, what are we left with? We're left with the things that we do know, that life begins at conception, that the life conceived is a human life. That's what we can measure. That's what we can know. That's where we have to actually make our decision. And to the extent that those things are knowable and that we do know them, in my view, therefore, we're left with no other conclusion but to protect that life. You know,
4: that's a good point, Jeremy, and it raises the question of, all right, so how certain are you? How, what are you willing to risk? Are you Are 3% sure that you're going to kill 60 million babies? Right. But, but there's also, sometimes you'll hear the pro-choice, pro-abortion people say, well, in the Christian tradition, they actually had carve-outs for some abortions. And they always cite St. Thomas Aquinas, mm-hmm. who's a very, very important doctor of the church. Oh, yeah. And Thomas Aquinas, it, it seems, at least at first glance, to be a little unclear on this question. Between... What he considers to be, you know, the first step of the baby being made, there's some period of time before the baby is ensold. But it's a, it's based on really ignorance of Thomas Aquinas because Aquinas is using Aristotle's physics. He's using Aristotle's understanding of biology. Not his fault, not Aristotle's fault. They didn't have modern sonograms. And so what they believed was that the sperm acted on the blood and produced a vegetative soul, but there wasn't really anything res- even resembling life until the quickening, and you had this distinct human being. And we just we just know now that isn't true. We know that the sperm and the egg come together, they cease to be what they were, and they become a unique human mm-hmm. life, and they're growing. And so it's it's no knock on Aquinas or Aristotle, but by their own logic... Life starts pretty much just right I, at conception. And also, I, I will, I, I, if, if
5: I'm not mistaken, the official position of the Catholic Church is that the the, the um, person is in soul at fertilization. I think it's like the, heart, the heartbeat. The
6: heartbeat, yeah. personally, because that's no. when the magnetic field begins to become produced. That I, I, it,
2: it's it's. I think Jeremy hit the nail on the head. You know, we, we're left with what we know. Life begins at conception. Well, look, you know and the, and I, I, every argument I've ever heard, and I welcome any. You know, uh, more pro-abortion, pro-left, whatever, pro-choice, whatever they want to say, to to have this discussion because you know I, I do feel it's like here's a here's a pro-choice you know onslaught essentially, I'm mean, a pro-life onslaught. Um, scientifically, just what is life? A unique set of DNA, and I've heard all the arguments, and ultimately, you know, you say, um, you know, you know, mention, you know, when does it? I, I can't remember what when can
6: you... you discern that it's a human?
2: Well, so you know, the argument's been made a million times. If a person is brain dead, is it still a person? Is it still alive? Well, of course it is. And so there's the question of how many grains of sand make a heap. Sure, but there's still sand there. The process of creating the heap started when you began trickling sand you know, onto the ground. If we want to say at what point does it become a person, sure. At what point is it a human life since the beginning when the process begins to create the human life?
6: I like the in question. Um, if you look up the human magnetic field, Taurus, you see this, that the heartbeat itself is producing a magnetic field around the human body. I think that that magnetic field's interaction with the Earth's magnetic field and maybe the solar
4: magnetic field and even the galactic is producing this God consciousness. But but isn't the soul metaphysical? Meaning, so ma- magnetic forces are acting on the physical world, but isn't the soul, in order for it to be the soul and not to be the body, doesn't it have to not be
3: physical? It, ha- um, it has to be I say of the soul that it's the, uh, the the intersection of the transcendent and the material. So, to the extent that you're describing the material, perhaps uh, expression of the soul, that might very well be true. I'd be curious if the proto heartbeat produces a magnetic field, which to our current question would be a really important one, because you know the the cells begin pulsating as a heartbeat before the heart is actually formed in utero, which is part of the part of the whole kind of conflict about heartbeat laws. Right? Is yeah. what is actually the heartbeat? But I, I think your magnetic field thing is actually really fascinating and we should look and see if there's if the proto heartbeat produces the field as well. Okay. There's no
2: I, I really don't feel like pro choice exists anymore. And I think mm. it's it's become a shield for what is overtly pro abortion. Yeah. Hmm. The reason is I grew up um, with a family that said abortion was wrong. But there are circumstances where it's not the the position of the government to intervene in a private medical practice and it becomes scary in certain circumstances. But uh, uh we were a pro-choice family. We voted Democrat every step of the way. Yeah. And the conversation was always, it's a terrible thing that exists. but yeah. and, and, and nowadays, that's not even the argument. Mm-hmm. The, you, the, you know, the argument is, women, who cares? Lena Dunham said she wished she had one.
3: Safe, legal, and rare. Remember all that back yeah. in the Al Gore days? Not that long ago. Not that long yeah. ago. And this is this, this is what's been happening now. it's shout your abortion. Shout your abortion. right. Yeah,
2: exactly. And 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 you get an abortion, and you get one. And <laughs> Lena Dunham said she wished she had one, and she was like, you know, I do all this advocacy, and I just feel bad because I didn't. And I'm just like, did you see what? this tweet
4: the other day? This woman tweets out a cake, yes, and it was the cake said it's a boy, and then she crossed out the Y and wrote urshin. and it seems like this was legit. And she said, look. I, I just had my abortion, and abor- abortion is a really traumatic thing to have, and it's why you got to surround yourself with love and friendship all the time and celebrate it. And the question, of course, that naturally follows is, why is it traumatic? Yeah. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. it's, if it's something to be celebrated, what's so traumatic about it?
6: Well, kind of like you working know, out is traumatic to the muscles, literally, like you're inducing trauma so it can regrow stronger.
4: I yeah, just, well, I, think, I don't think this the baby regrows stronger, right? I mean, what if, if she's speaking about it, she's speaking about it emotionally, right, that it, it creates a trauma. Is, is the idea that the, the abortion is an edifying thing and therefore we
3: should have a lot of them to get much stronger? This I don't is, know, yeah. That's right. Th- this is a great conversation. It's philosophical. It's religious. It's legal. I want to focus back on the legal, though, just for a minute. Because a lot of people listening now know that the court is going to make a decision in June. And they may not know exactly where they are on some of these philosophical questions. Uh, they may be you know, persuaded by the Catholic view. They may be persuaded by the pro-choice view uh, or or um, the, the, magnetic, the, the, the magnetic view. The magnetic oh, view. Oh, yeah, I can go deep on that. But the, But the legal question is what's before us. And what the left likes to do in these moments is to get people to hyperventilate with all these hyperbolic kind of statements about what's going to occur. So, just I think the key things I would want people to leave with are overturning Roe v. Wade does not make abortion illegal. Overturning Roe v. Wade gives the states the right to make abortion illegal, and I doubt that very many states would do it. Yeah, I doubt that very many. I doubt that very many, even conservative states, would go all the way Hmm. to saying that abortion must be illegal in all cases. I think that the most likely thing is that you'll see a radicalization on the in in blue states where we where we basically get rid of all the constraints of Roe v. Wade and Casey on viability and other sorts of standards, and you can essentially kill babies after birth, which is actually a thing that happens. Yeah. I think, on the other hand, you'll have a few states that outlaw abortion. I think you'll have many states that take up more of a European standard, which would at least reduce the most horrific instances of abortion where babies who can actually feel are being dismembered so that yeah. they can be uh, extracted from their mothers. And... And in that world, the cartoon, Tim, that you put up with the refugees, well, I think that's an asinine statement that all women are going to... There actually will be more voting with your feet. There will be a further kind of balkanization politically of the country. I happen to think that that's a good thing. Hmm. Mm, I, I'm, I'm that's really interesting.
2: F- what I'm really annoyed by in all of this is that we've come to the point where in Virginia and in Colorado, it's, it's like a, a, a full-term baby can be aborted. And yeah. it's just like that... You know, this is why I say life begins at conception as a fact, right? Yeah. You, you, you can't abort a baby at eight months because it could be taken out and just placed on a table and it will live. You're literally just executing it. And they call it an abortion. We, we You know, as, as soon as the conception occurs, there's a unique set of DNA. And that's right. all you mm-hmm. really need. I, I accept that if we look at a single cell on Mars and say it's life, we can look at a single cell in a woman and say we have life. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's the argument pro-life people often bring up that... The scientific community says they found single cells here and is it life, but they won't say the same thing of a human being. I, I, I accept the scientific reality of a unique set of DNA. The problem is, as I mentioned with my family growing up, the left's stance now is if you are pro-choice, you are on board with unfettered access at any point to some of the most disgusting procedures of killing babies. And I'm not talking about the, the, the right-wing perspective of you know, on day two of, you know, a fertilized egg, you're, you're killing a baby. I'm saying, imagine that you are a a, a Democrat and the baby is, or, or uh, uh, Gosnell, he would
4: mm-hmm. deliver the babies there's and a guy, then kill them. There's a guy right now, Cesare Santangelo, yep, in DC. the story just broke. Mm. He's done this to hundred, at least hundreds of babies, probably thousands of babies. We're talking full term or nearly full term, in some cases, almost certainly we're Actually, born first, and then he's killing them. He's the worst serial killer in America, and yep. no one wants to say his name. Just like Gosnell,
2: because the process of abortion for uh, the process of late term abortions is they just kill the baby, which could survive on its own. That's
3: right. And and the other thing is, and Michael alluded to this: technology is part of this conversation. Yeah. Because the the age of viability gets younger and younger and younger as we get better and better and better at medicine at medical procedures. It's very conceivable that one day you'll be able to extract a zygote out from a woman and put it in some sort of pod and raise it uh, up until you know it's able to breathe on its own as a uh, and get a driver's license uh the, so the question is like even if viability is your standard what does viability mean and they'll say well viability means when it can survive on its own two year olds can't survive on their own
5: right <laughs> Well, let's go to super chat. Can I just make a yeah, point because yeah, okay. I want to ask you guys how we're using these terms? I want to make sure I didn't make an inaccurate statement earlier. But when we use conception versus fertilization, are we using these interchangeably? How are we? Differentiating? I'm using them interchangeably. Okay, but, yeah. But yeah. But the, then, yeah,
4: it's it's important to the Aquinas point because. Aquinas would have said that abortion begins at conception. The question is, how long does conception take? Mm. So abortion it, it's begins actually at conception? Ab- or, I'm sorry, life begins at conception. Right. Yeah. But so it's, that is an important distinction. Mm-hmm. We just know now, because of medical advancements in technology, mm-hmm. we know that fertilization and conception and the sperm and the egg mm-hmm. going away and the new life beginning... That they are the same act. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, it's
2: it's a new life. It's it's an independent DNA set that begins replicating and
3: yeah, and it may never even implant. Like its entire mm-hmm. the entire life of that new distinct DNA life form. Yeah, uh, and, it, and, may, and it may be a matter of hours. And the, the but for those hours, it was a distinct life, yeah. uh, and, a and human,
2: and,
5: and, and we and believe and that a human has value. Well,
2: that's the, the definition. definition.
3: Is it human life? I, yes. I still I have not. I'm not comfortable yes. saying yes at this when,
2: point. When when people say, uh, you know, I hate the the, this, the sophist sophistry on this one when they say oh well sometimes it you know it won't stick and it'll be washed away or it'll be removed from the body or whatever and I'm like yeah no one killed that like killed the life on purpose that's right sometimes people have heart attacks and die we don't seek out you know nature and be like "Ah, we're gonna well let's go to super chats and read what the audience has to say in the questions you guys have smash that like button if you have not already subscribe to the channel share the show far and wide if you do like it and um Let's read what you all are talking about. Oh, yeah, go to TimCast.com, be a member. We have that member segment coming up in just uh, about uh, 11 p.m. or so. All right. Oh, here's a good one. Saki's Red Landing Strip says... Knowles, eh? Was Clavin busy? Yeah, real he was, nice, you know, <laughs> Buster. Real nice. You yeah. can make
4: it up to me by buying Speechless, controlling Ooh. words, controlling minds, Ooh. and paperback in June. Yeah,
5: right. yeah. Clavin was busy, busy not being invited on the show tonight because <laughs> no he had
2: no! Knowles instead. Yeah, that's
0: right. It's a
5: good one. We love you, Claven.
2: Find my Geisha says, I know that Michael believes in regulations on the Second Amendment and Tim does not. I am in Tim's camp, but would like to hear a debate on the difference.
4: I think I'm learning something new about my political philosophy. Yeah. I don't. Okay. So why do you want to take I was my guts say away? maybe. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm maybe Clavin should have come on tonight. <laughs> yeah, another, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't think of a. I mean, other that. I mean, I, I. I don't think that individuals should be allowed to possess nuclear weapons. But that's uh, pretty much the only limit well, I've got. Hold know? on. Do you think people Uh-oh. have the right to bear nuclear arms? I. I. D- I would restrict that right.
2: But would. But do you think they have the right? No, I don't think so. But the Constitution says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It does, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh,
4: one aspect of my See? view of the world... Yeah, got me. No, one, <laughs> one view of, of my, my politics is I'm not merely looking at the text on the page, whether to interpret it in the wacky, kooky, modern leftist way or even in the supposed originalist way because there are different versions of originalism. There's original intent, there's original public meaning, which is what Scalia was a, a big proponent of. Oh. Uh, I take into account the american tradition i think that the tradition matters i think the way these laws have been understood over time matter and so i have never seen the right to a, uh, to make keeping a nuclear arm privately recognized so i'm, well, I'm fine it, to let that it, one that's go. because they stole it uh
2: corsairs and privateers were commonplace yeah uh, uh private man o' war with grape shot could level a coastal town it was owned by a guy the east india trading company the founding fathers uh, uh we believed we were allowed to have cannons. They had yeah, I'm all for multi-barrel. Cannon. So at what point did we say the government has the right to keep and bear arms that we do not?
4: Well, certainly by the point of the development of nuclear weapons. I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that you can you, you could have privateers, and I'm all for sea shanties, so sign me up. I'm all, I'm all for people having cannons or whatever they want. But, so yeah. I, I, I think that
2: the real distinction is I'm not saying people should have nuclear weapons. And I think I agree with you. I think, uh, as I stated on the ep- on the episode when we talked about this, where the left took it out of context to try and claim, I believe to try and claim, I said they should have nukes. I said, I think we could all come together on this one and actually amend the Constitution to say, yeah, except nukes and biological weapons, I think most people would be like, yeah, we're cool with that.
4: But it's it is worth pointing out, when we talk about the Constitution, there's two separate things we're talking about. There's capital C Constitution, which is that piece of paper, and then there's the lowercase c Constitution, which is how the government actually works. And so... I love the sheet of paper. I'm all for the Constitution. I'll defend my constitutional rights tooth and nail. But we also have to accept that the way our government works is not merely dictated by a piece of paper. But the way we live it, and we've lived it for centuries. And and uh, the, the, if we deny that reality, we're not going to get very far in politics.
2: I think my point was that right now, individuals under the Constitution do have a right to keep and bear any arm. Period. That we, we that the Constitution protects that right. If if we don't like that. And I think most people wouldn't. It has to be amended. You can't
4: just one day wake up and say we've all agreed to the Constitution. It though? I mean, it, 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 we practically don't have that right now. The, right. Uh, you're right that the text doesn't say that and we haven't had to change it. So it uh, reminds I'm me,
3: inclin- me- I'm inclined to agree with you, Tim. Uh, that I think that the best use of the Constitution- the, Well, Michael, what you're saying is true. I wish that it were not. Yeah, I right. think that, I think that we're supposed to be governed by the Constitution with a capital C. And that if there are things about the capital C Constitution we don't like, we're supposed to amend the Constitution. And that the real problem is that we've moved away from the entire concept of enumerated rights. So even the fact that we're talking about the Second Amendment as though that's the guarantor of our right to bear arms, even that is a misrepresentation of the founding intent, which was that Congress didn't have any right enumerated to them. To deal with this issue in the first place, and even further,
4: you know, Scalia, he he said he he interpreted the Second Amendment to mean that you could have any commonly held arms. And where did he get this from? Well, I don't know. He said he was a soft originalist; that he wasn't this hardline originalist. And uh, the 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 fact is, I got to meet the guy when I was a student, and we were all asking him about the Bill of Rights, and he said, "Who cares about the Bill of Rights? What protects your rights is not the Bill of Rights." What protects it are the institutions that the that the real guts of the Constitution set up, which have been changed and I think decayed right. over time. And so uh, when I'm when I'm talking about the lowercase C Constitution, I just mean as a practical matter, the way that we're actually going to maintain our rights and our liberties and our traditions is is by the way that we live, by the way that we're actually governed. The very fact that administrative agencies make all of our actual laws now is something that we have to grapple with. That's yep. the way our Constitutional works. It's not just a bill up on Capitol Hill. You know? All
2: right, let's read some more. We got Christina H. who says, Can the Daily Wire make the novel one second after into a movie? It's about a small town trying to survive if the U.S. is hit with an EMP attack. Excellent shows this week, y'all. Thank, thank you. Looking forward to Miss Cooper tomorrow. Well, there you go. They want one second after. Have you guys heard of that?
3: I've not heard of one second after, but we're making lots of movies and TV shows and kids content. Uh, And as we as Michael has shamelessly promoted his book, (laughs) I will shamelessly promote the work of The Daily Wire and say that uh, we're busy building alternatives, cultural alternatives, because uh, not only are we not ultimately governed by the capital C Constitution, more is the pity. We're not really even governed by the lowercase C Constitution. Uh, We're governed more than anything by the lowercase C culture
6: and yeah. more than that even the technology that we have that allows us mm. to formulate the culture like if someone can shut you out of technology shut you out of the, the town square you're yeah. you're not able to influence the culture
5: mm. well speaking of shameless promotions Freedom Tunes is still not to 800,000 subscribers <laughs> right. and we Come released on. one of the best videos we've ever released Yo, go I over sh- there and want shout
6: out Jeremy's Razors we <laughs> <laughs> <Both laughs> pick one up jeremysrazors.com yes. Neil
5: Sawyer I hate Harry's.com <laughs> oh,
2: I hate <laughs>
6: harry's.com. <laughs>
2: Neil Sawyer says... That's why you want to nuke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that it's strange that I've never seen Seamus and Ben Shapiro in the same room. Mm. Use that information as you
5: will. Mm. Well, you might. Someday, you might relatively soon. Okay, gang. Here's the thing. So if you're going to accuse me of actually being Ben Shapiro, that's actually ridiculously offensive. Okay, Ben Shapiro is not nearly as intelligent or handsome as I am. Oh, all right, hi. folks? And, wow. and he knows it. He knows it. Fighting words. All right. <laughs> Oh, That's man. Wild. You see, they're
6: starting Dude, it again,
2: and it's Michael's fault.
6: I was listening oh, no. to a review of the show, <laughs> and I heard Ben, and I thought it was you. Oh it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's time <laughs> By the way, okay, all right.
5: <laughs> be, be, being second to Seamus in intelligence
7: and it's not an
5: insult, right? I'm, I'm not insulting yeah. Shapiro, It's very high bar, okay, gang?
7: Mm-hmm. They're
5: starting it again.
2: I blame Michael for this. Eric Miller says Tim, you've heard of Hanlon's Razor. But have you heard of Jeremy's Razor? <laughs> to that, which you can pay tribute to wokeness, you can pay tribute to freedom. You can
3: use that if you want, Jeremy. That's pretty good. Wow, <laughs> fantastic! How's Thank the Razor you. Company going along? Yeah, and and you've heard of Occam's Razor. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the Razor Company is doing great since I was last with you guys. We've sold thirty thousand more razors, and wow. uh, people. I think <laughs> I think people are amused uh, by the fact that we uh, that we're having a good time actually building these alternatives and challenging uh, the sort of leftist hom- homogeny in our economy and in our culture. Uh, and I think it's only the beginning. What what I'll say is I'm going to get incredibly wealthy by uh, <laughs> by taking advantage of all the opportunities that the left gives us. And they give these opportunities to us by act of hubris, that they believe that they can take conservatives for granted and still cash their checks uh, because conservatives have no alternatives. But I'm not the only one who's going to get wealthy. There are a lot of guys out there. Dan Bongino is, I think, a great one. Uh, and there are more, I'm sure, on the horizon who we don't even know yet who see all these opportunities being created and are going to seize them and. I genuinely believe over the next decade we're going to create economic incentive for the left to actually not be able to take us for granted can anymore. Can I tell
4: you something, too? I I shave with a Jeremy's razor right now. I previously shaved with a Gillette because I had ditched Harry's. Before Gillette, I shaved with a Harry's. And Gillette was bad, too, because they're half trans now mm-hmm. also. Yeah. But the Jeremy's razor is a good razor. It is a better razor than the Gillette and the Harry's razor. Oh, interesting. I thought yeah. it was yeah. the
5: best a man can get. Yeah, i <laughs>
2: going to get one, I'd like well, to try it. not. All right, Murph tries says Tim, when will Chicken City be uh, uh by the Airport TV contracts, Chicken City 24/7. <laughs> uh yeah. I am I am uh, proud to announce. Today, Chicken City netted $1,500. Oh, well done. We oh. reached 650 <laughs> peak concurrent viewers on the channel today, and it's a 24/7 stream, so it's quite a bit for a new show. We're at uh 29,000 subscribers, and we've consistently raised uh, made over $1,000 on Chicken City every day. I am very proud. Well, Chicken it's City. Criminal.
3: Chicken City is truly greater than CNN Plus. Yeah. <laughs> that's truly that's well. The funny thing is, solvent.
2: CNN with ten thousand daily active users and with their fifty percent off price of three dollars a month, Chicken City is on track to gross more than CNN <laughs> per month than C- CNN Plus per month. So um,
4: it's more when, informative content too.
2: <laughs> well, the, w- the first the first thing I posted when it went live was <laughs> a person who watches nothing but Chicken City is better informed <laughs> than a person who watches CNN. It's true. You know the quote from Thomas Jefferson.
1: <laughs>
2: all right, where are we at? Let's grab. We got. We got. We got too many super chats, man. Way too many. All right, There's a lot of people saying, shout out. This is cool. Cool. Yes. All my favorite. Uh, all my favorite. Willie Baron says, all my favorite people. Tim Cast and Daily Wire. Heart attack. Thank you very much. Keep breathing. All right. Evan says, great to see Evan. Boy, boy, Great to see Knowles and the God King. Elon is right. There is potential in Twitter, but it's essentially a rage chamber. Transparency would be much uh, a much-needed shot. Favor, shout out my parody fighting game. What does it say? C- Brawl. Fight caricatures of c- uh, celebs on mobile and have a blast. <laughs> uh, love the show and love the con That combo. does sound
3: like a
4: blast. I'm in. Yeah, sign yeah. me up. I yeah, know. right on.
2: We have the screen zoomed smaller so we could fit more on and it's oh, getting yeah, harder it's hard. to read. But uh here we go. A free thinking dog says chicken masa- marsala is Italian. British food sucks. All well,
3: <laughs> okay. right. Thank well you for then. the, thanks you. for your thank two you. bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Let's grab some more. Joe Byrne says you can also create graphite by crushing coal into powder
6: and microwaving it. Supposedly we could still use coal mines. I think you mean graphene though. Well, you can actually upscale coal into graphene. They're working on doing that with lasers. So it's not going to supplant the coal industry like I thought before. Hopefully we'll figure out how not to supplant the copper industry because that's basically the last roadblock before inception. Ian, how do you learn this? Yeah, I listen a lot. I have a good memory. I read a lot um, of science journals and Talk to scientists. I have a lot of friends that are scientists, like Jeremy Riss, the alien scientist. Mm. Highly recommend his channel. Very wise man.
5: So, have you? Are, do you like own any stock or business investments? I in thought about. Why I actually
6: went down to South America to start a graphene company in uh, in uh, Santiago, Chile. We had an investor, but. It didn't feel right doing it in South America. I want to do it here if we're going to do it. Uh, when when Ian
2: started ranting about this, I found a company that produces graphene. I in, I bought like sixty shares. Nothing crazy, but I was like, all right, we, "There's
6: this you know, stuff called turbostratic graphene that, where you can hit it with lasers and create these like these wafers of it. And then if you can somehow uh, what's called uh, you bend them 1.1 degrees and you can start to get this incredibly superconductive. You, you start to layer it at like 1.1 degrees. Uh, 1.56 degrees. I, start, I think it's starting to make like a, a 64 tetrahedron, like a two-dimensional tetrahedron shape, and we'll be able to like conduct lightning through it and stuff. Wow. Yeah, if we can somehow use lasers to flash it into position, we'll just be able to create this hmm. mad awesome is it, carbon. This
2: is, it, is it interesting. Brian Webb product. in reference to Watchmen says, Alan Moore regretted writing the comics because he claims that he broke the genre. Maybe. um, You know, I, I look at a lot of his work, and it really added a lot of depth and philosophy and ethics and morals to 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 comic books he's he was he was amazing watchmen was brilliant the bad uh the bad guy wins basically hmm. it's excellent excellent writing i love the movie too all right nevermore says michael on your comment about tall buildings make people liberals i live outside of portland oregon and the tall buildings have always felt unnatural, dystopian and depressing to me.
4: Mm. Yeah, this is an important point. There was an obit in the New York Times the other day and it's the that's the only good part of the New York Times. Yeah. It was about this guy Christopher Alexander who is an anti-modernist architecture guy, especially in the 70s he hit his stride and he made a really simple point but it's it's important especially for conservatives to, to get but really for all of us. Any place you are is going to elevate your spirits, maybe just a little bit. Or lower your spirits. Any place that matters, because we're in the physical world. Conservatives used to get this so much. Edmund Burke, who's kind of considered the father of modern conservatism, he was an aesthetic philosopher. It actually, like, beauty and place, and st- that actually matters to us. And so if you live in some dystopian glass and steel hellhole you're not going to feel great.
6: Have you guys been to a castle, a uh, medieval castle? I was yeah, in uh, in yeah. Scotland in Edinburgh and I think it was Mary Queen of Scots. I had a chance to go into her bedchamber where she would get dressed and there's a slit window. You look out and you look down at the people walking around. It's humbling because I was putting myself in her mind thinking like, uh, my subjects and like just what kind of ego that builds to see these tiny humans.
5: But imagine being all the way, all the way up at the top of a skyscraper.
3: Well, it's like the... Just the, putting ketchup on your steak and <laughs> eating <laughs> your taco salads. The best in the world. Yeah. Yeah. There was the, the family guy
2: joke where all the rich people are hanging out with peter and they're like in a plane or something and then he's like wow look at the people down there they look like ants and bill gates goes they are ants (laughs) (laughs) all right nybsfp says i'm confused why jeremy would hunt down the last panda to save the life of the most reprehensible human but two minutes later says he'd kill a person
3: to save his dog because some people are bad huh yeah because uh it's two separate questions would I kill someone who is in the act of committing evil uh, to preserve the thing that I ascribe value to, perhaps? That's a separate, distinct question from, is panda life or dog life intrinsically more valuable than human life? So it's just using it's using examples to try to articulate two separate points. You're killing a burglar I, in the dog I, example. That's I'm right. Gonna, You're killing a burglar.
2: I'm going to take credit for this idea here. Uh, Preston Witherspoon, thank you for writing it, but... Um, I'm just going to take credit. He says, Tim, please let Jeremy know if Daily Wire creates a platform like Netflix that streams regular movies and TV shows, millions of us would leave Netflix and stop giving them money. Who needs Netflix originals anyway? Did you guys uh, uh, realize that? I think it's a great idea for your platform to try and make a streaming service with original content. <laughs> Which is well, exactly yeah, what I was thinking got. about that, it. That is yeah. what
3: we're doing. Thank you. Uh, I think that it's humbl- the Your statement is humbling, A, because we we have. We've released... Uh, four feature films, and we're releasing uh, two documentaries next month. We have two series in development right now and five kids series. It's humbling because, A, despite our best efforts to market this idea, I think there are a lot of people who don't know about it, and, B, even to the extent that you do know about it, and perhaps you do, what you're saying is we we haven't reached a point of viability yet where this is worth your money. And I understand that. We We certainly don't have enough content to make an offering to you on a, on a straight value proposition level, anything like Netflix. I mean, essentially, for 10 bucks, you can come to the Daily Wire and watch four movies, or for that same 10 bucks, you can go to Netflix and watch every movie and television show ever made. We're, we're aware of that distinction, but what we're basically saying is that the mission is part of the value that we're giving to our subscribers as well. And that the more people subscribe, the faster we'll get to that ultimate value proposition where we have enough content where it is well and truly uh, worth your money. I think it's worth it now because you also, in addition to that content I mentioned, you still get the Ben Shapiro show, the Candace Owens show, the Andrew Clavin show, the Matt Walsh show. We throw uh, Michael on there mm, just for yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. charity yeah, for, for charity. So you do get a lot of value from the platform, but but I certainly recognize that we got a lot of work to do. I was I, if you,
6: interesting if you start buying content that's going off contract at Netflix and Hulu because yep. on your platform they're going to get a lot more attention being. First in. It's true. The Order.
2: I like that show. It was like a teeny bopper CW style werewolf thing. And I was watching Mm. it and then I was like, they're not making another one. Man, I was, I was, I was, I was enjoying it. It was, you know, the TV was on. But anyway, uh, let me just say, I have an LG TV. There's no, there's no OTT app for some of these smart TVs for Daily Wire. And I wasn't Mm. able to watch it. And then on our Sony TV, I wasn't. I don't, I don't know if I'm just doing something wrong, or if you guys are, you know, moving. Are you going to get the OTTs? Yeah, we're bu-
3: oh. we're building OTTs actively right now. The the couple that we have, Roku and, and Apple TV, are getting improved because they uh, they're they're not at the level that we think they should be. Uh, but yes, that's a place we're making very active investments and, and right just now because of the jargon. It means over the top. So it's a
2: yeah. reference to uh, TV, smart TVs, Roku, Apple TV, so that on your TV you
3: can just have the app. So you can't you can currently on Roku and Apple TV, uh, that's a product that will improve Samsung, Vizio. Those are all, all I think in development right now.
2: I think you're a victim of your own success in that everyone is so eager and excited for the prospect of real content and and, and good content that they expect you to have it instantly. Yeah, you know, and I I think a year you guys are going to be the snowball rolling down the hill with great speed. So I'm excited for Thank that. Thank you. For sure. All right. What is this? Prometheus says, make wearing swords fashionable again. Ian, Amen. have you heard of mm-hmm.
6: Borafine, Daily Wire anime when, God King? Would you like to answer first?
3: <laughs> Not soon enough.
6: <laughs> I think Borafine, I've heard, this is like the ninth time someone's told me about it in the last two weeks, wow. so uh, it's boron, it's similar to graphene, I think it's similar structure structurally, um, but it apparently is incredible. Orange Red says, Tim, in the
2: movie The Good Son, an aunt has to choose who to save, her nephew or her son. Watch it. Macaulay Culkin mm. and Elijah Wood play the kids I think I saw that When I was real young And It isn't like one is Is a bad kid And one's a good kid Or something Like
5: just a genuinely Evil child Yeah and there's A whole debate between uh, Whether it's psychopathy And mental illness Or just true evil like you've
2: got you boil it down you know, two kids that are in a river going down full speed, and one's just a really nice, good kid who wants to help everybody, but the evil kid is holding the cure for cancer? Yeah, <laughs> I would kill Macaulay Culkin, I think.
5: Oh, wow. And of oh, course just, the evil oh, kid yeah. Of course, the evil kid has the cure for cancer, right? How do you come mm. across that? He stole it from a lab. You're like, oh, i got to save him Because that evil now. kid is big pharma. I He's not going to re- give <laughs> it to us anyway. Don't save uh, it. All right, hold nuanced. on,
2: hold on, hold on. Let me fix the scenario. The evil kid and the good kid are both in the river. The evil the, the evil kid has the cure for cancer. And you have a very powerful net gun that just so happens to fire two nets at the same time, mm. tethered to a rope that will save them both. That's what I'm no. talking about. But That's but one a moral of, but, You're not <laughs> bound <laughs> by reality. But you one of it. them is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you yeah, shared it with the other g- kid twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two good kids. No, we save them. We saved them. Of course. All right. All right. What does it say? Uh, Zaka Inen says, No matter the impossible choice, no one gets out of this alive. Love the con love Mm. this conversation. It was good. It was good. In the end, we all will meet our maker. All right.
6: And maybe even the process. Yeah.
2: Lex McCormick says you three Christian men. How can I hear God? I am lost, but seeking and am met with silence. Other Christians tell me that evil seeks signs and wonders. I hope I'm not evil, but I
4: do wish God would speak to me so
2: that I might know him.
4: As my priest said once in the introduction to a book, an evil generation looks for signs and wonders. But a stupid generation ignores signs and wonders, Mm -hmm. and they are there. The Christian view of the world is rich in symbolism. But you're not gonna, you're not gonna be hearing a, you know, a a voice come out of the sky probably, uh, you know, anytime soon. So, maybe you will, I don't know. But where can you hear the word of God? Well, I've got two really simple answers. They're not gonna sound cool and mystical. Uh, go to church and read the Bible. That would be a good place to... And pray. That would be a good place to start. I, I, just,
2: I just want to point out that I just I just think the idea that there is some greater power that created everything, that there's some kind of purpose to all this and that there are signs for us to see is, is completely absurd. What makes more sense is that an advanced species created all of this <laughs> for some purpose and that we're here for a reason and there are signs in the system. Like a,
3: a, a godlike... Species. Yeah, right, like a, God-like God-like species, space. Right, but a god species. So, so, you know, or, or or, Not or, or, like a god, You make a great point. Not a real god. No. I, but we, <laughs> we, we, I, love we love talking I, about May the, I say something to that yeah, last yeah. question? Because it's such an important question. And I always like to point out that if you read the narrative of the Gospels, uh, Christ went through the Galilee and drove out all disease. It says that he went from village to village and healed everyone. And this was his ministry for several years. It culminates uh, in the events that precede Palm Sunday last week with the raising of Lazarus from the dead. He literally speaks into the tomb and calls forth uh, Lazarus, who's been dead uh, four days, in, in the in the presence of people who believe in him and people who don't believe in him, and no one contested mm-hmm. these miracles. In fact, it says that the the high priest—I referenced this line earlier, but without context—that the high priest himself said after that, uh, essentially, it's better that one man should die for the nation. Uh, that that, in other words, they began to plot to kill Jesus, not because they didn't believe in the miracles, but because they did. I say all of that to say. Even people who literally heard God speak, people who literally stood in the presence of God's son and watched him call forth the dead to life, didn't believe. And so I understand the desperation of of Mm. non-belief, and I understand the longing that is in in the human heart to hear God directly, that you might believe in him, but it is a mistaken view. If you did hear from God, there is absolutely no certainty that you would believe. Mm. And so... The better thing to realize, mm-hmm. I think, is that what God values most highly is faith. And faith is the substance of things not seen, things not heard, things hoped for. And so in many ways, it's a great gift from God that we don't see and hear from him, and that instead we're left with the opportunity to put faith in him, which is an, unsatisfi- it's, it's an even more unsatisfying answer than read the Bible and go to church, until you realize the beauty of it that it is in faith that we can be saved and not in certainty. And and uh, in that way, it is it is quite a, a gift from God that we don't always hear his voice or see his face. All right.
2: <clears throat> our, our strike says, Tim, when I asked if you'd change your mind on possible fraud of Republicans, if Republicans lost midterms, you dismissed it, and I felt disrespected. It was a sincere question. I did not dismiss it. Um, I, I, I'm sorry you felt that way. What my point was... In 2018, I was adamant Republicans were going to win and win big, and then they didn't. Mm. I didn't assume it was because they were cheated. I assumed it was because I was wrong. If in November the Republicans lose, I'm going to assume it's because I'm wrong. If evidence emerges of direct actions, I will consider all evidence. So the challenge I have, especially with like 2020, is we, we get stories about the campaigns run by Democrat politicians, the deals they cut with Republicans, uh, voter in the park, the universal mail-in ballots that was uh, recently ruled unconstitutional in Pennsylvania. And I say all of that is just actual politics that resulted in a shadow campaign that saved the election is the best way you can call it. I've not seen evidence of watermarked ballots or, or, yep. you know, overt fraud to a degree where I'm convinced that's the issue at hand. So even though I I really do believe Republicans are on track to win, especially considering every poll and every outcry from Democrats, for one, there are many variables from now until today, which I can't predict. And two, it's possible I'm not omniscient. Yeah, it's back
3: to to Occam's razor, right? Yeah. Uh, And I think this is right. I say of 2020, I think that there is there is abundant evidence that the election was rigged. There is not enough evidence that it was stolen. Yep. And, there, and, there and, and those some. are incredibly distinct. No, points but but that's
2: it, yeah. r- real quick, just to make sure we clarify that rigged in the sense that lawmakers got together a year in advance. They yes. passed new laws. Yes. Uh, voter like we mentioned, voter the media the
3: literally suppressed stories that would be harmful to their preferred candidate. Right. in, in that way, it's like the, the referees uh, were only calling strikes on one side. Uh, it, it would be like if if uh, Jonathan and Isaac, Jonathan, Isaac and I played a game of one-on-one, that is a rigged game, right? I, I, I am at am <laughs> at a pronounced disadvantage going into it. That you can say that it is unfair, but it isn't cheating at that point that he makes all the points. It, it, this yeah. is
4: an important distinction. There was a piece published in Real Clear Politics uh, not too long ago from a very serious guy who had worked with the Department of Justice on election issues, mm-hmm. and he, he believes that there is evidence, hard evidence, of actual stolen ballots in certain states. And he, he he leaves the conclusion vague as to what this means for the overall election. But that would be, say, one piece of evidence sure. of the sort you're looking for. But to your point, Jeremy, is that sufficient to do what? In the political process, how is that going to overrule an election? And and the question of rigging and outright stealing, are there there's a distinction. And like you,
3: Tim, I'm open to the... I've seen some evidence even using geo, uh, location type data uh, that is fairly compelling that there was some cheating going on. I'm open to the idea that an election is stolen. You just have to pr- you have to prove it. I, don't like I, that, I, uh, I
2: think there's two big things at play, mm. and I think people don't want to believe them. One is that I, oft- I told this to Steve Bannon. I said, I know people who are as dumb as a box of rocks with no business in politics. They couldn't tell you who Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. They don't know how many who? justices there are. And they post videos of themselves voting. They took away sports. They took away video yep. games. They took away movies. They locked people in their homes and told you it was Trump's fault. And I saw people that never got political yep. in my life with nothing else to do, getting political, yep. we saw what happened in Pennsylvania. They ruled this, this this universal mail-in voting unconstitutional. I'm like, dude, it all happened above board. I think you just don't want to accept it that for a year Republicans actually were yep. working against it Republicans. Yeah.
3: It's also when people say you believe that more people turned out to vote for Joe Biden than Barack Obama, and it's like no, they didn't have to turn out. Yeah. They legal, they lawfully changed the nature of the of uh, the election. To Instead of having to go stand in a line, you had to check your mail. So, of course, when you make it that easy, there are going to be more votes. That's why
2: they wanted it, and it makes it harder for – it's an advantage for Democrats because of urban density compared to the the, uh, disparate nature of uh, rural uh, uh – environments which are more republican but we've gone a little bit over and we got to do this uh can I, can I point
6: out the problem of tallying votes by with a corporation behind the scenes and people that people aren't transparently allowed to witness is a code red problem with our elections we need to see every vote on some sort of public database so we can verify our systems i agree Free and
2: vote with that. My friends, if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and head over to TimCast.com because we're going to have that members-only segment going up at about 11 p.m. And you'll not want to miss it. We'll make it extra spicy. You can follow me at TimCast. Uh, you can follow the show at TimCast IRL. Smokey Mike and the God King, do you guys want to shout anything out?
3: I'd like to remind people that the book Speechless is <laughs> oh, hey. coming out in paperback. Head over to Amazon.com. So buy yours
4: today. That's true, and if you want to be hairless, you should go to iHateHarrys. <laughs> and get a brand new razor. It's the best razor out there on the market, and you can do that right after you get speechless, controlling words, controlling minds. Yeah. Anybody else? I mean, if you hate being hairy, razors are perfect.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
5: I'm Seamus and I have a channel called Freedom Tunes. Check it out. The video we just released is one that I'm very proud of. So, and I really think you guys will enjoy it.
6: I'm Ian Cross, and you guys can follow my friends on Twitter at the Real Daily Wire. That is the Real Daily Wire on Twitter. And I love you so much. Thank you.
7: Thank you guys all very much for tuning in. This has been one of my favorite episodes to date. I think I love the philosophical conversations and the deep, profound conundrums we make up for ourselves and try to reason through. You guys may follow me on Twitter at Sarah Lids, also Minds.com. And I also have Sarah
2: We will see you all at
1: TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.